Fred just keeps asking Rick if he wants a piece of pizza. Just clearly picking up on him. Do you want some pizza, Rick? Have some more hummus, Rick. Exactly like that. It's, how about a back rub? Just a, Dude, you say yes when Fred's on the line for it. Right. Yeah, I mean, say yes. out of respect. I mean, what, Fred's, Fred's congenial. He's friendly. He likes to hang out. Fred, I'm having some trouble with this tie. Do you think you can help me put it on? I have a squad of people here in the Springs who help people with ties. <laughs> Where's my episode? <laughs> Is that you, baby? <laughs> Anola Gay. <laughs> it is episode 52. Step right up, pick an episode, any episode. Fuck that, I'll take all 52. Yoink. <laughs> yes, this is episode 52. And you know what? Speaking of magicians and card tricks, we are a world of magic and illusion. We are ear and loathing. I am here, joined by the Gitmo Bros, who happen to be, say it with me, guys, the number, number one, one rockers, rockers forever. forever. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> part of it was like the Andrew sisters. <laughs> and so, uh, I guess, calling in from the uh, the new Moppy HQ, is there a Moppy in there? Or? There, there's no Mop. This is uh, George White calling in from, uh, we're going to call it the Telephone Utility Room, Center of Communications for this entire property that I manage in Santa Monica, California. Very yeah. exciting. It's a little bit larger. I would call this one probably more like uh, 80 square feet rather than 50. <laughs> wow, you can spread out. I can really, it's got a refrigerator in here. This is pretty great. This is pretty sweet, guys. And I'm happy to be here because I'm with you. <laughs> well, thank you for checking in, Foxy George. Mm, yeah. I don't care where you are. You're still the media, darling. And also, what's that I hear calling in from the North Star? Yes, he's my North Star. He's George's North Star. And he's Fred Schneider's little helper's North Star. Why don't you say hello? Baringa! I took a walk down memory lane only to find that I'd been priced out of the neighborhood. <laughs> I, I sound a bit like Fred when I do those. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an homage. It's, he's an influence. There's no doubt about it. It's an influence. No, no doubt no about doubt. it. I'm not going to be able to unhear that from now on. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a memory lane, I almost, uh, you know, it's too dangerous because I was driving on the 405. Not very fast, but. Um, on, uh, on on Deep Cut's Yacht Rock um, answering machine came on, and I just about hit the roof. I'm like, this is fantastic. That song is just the beep boop boop beep boop boop. Just, it's, and then the fucking clever thing that I remember Aaron being particularly upset about. I just stepped, or how's it go? I stepped out to get some dog food for the cat. <laughs> he lets what? it lie there so the people are like, he's like, yeah. 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 You can imagine him doing a, like a yeah. Billy Crystal self-satisfied take to the camera after yeah. he said that line. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Yeah. When he did it live, he, he sort of arranged it so the whole band kind of stops on that line. <laughs> 
And then he kind of looks sideways at the at the audience going, hey, eh, kind of some guy tries to come back in quick. He's like, no, 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 let it play. Let it play. <laughs> let it let it play out. That's Roop for you. <laughs> Roop will just throw a line like that and just let it lay there. Let That's lay Roop. There. <laughs> People paid Roop money. They want to hear Roop gags. <laughs> they paid rupees. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I just realized. Uh, I just realized that the, the line after that is uh, "dog food for the cat." Of course, she called about three minutes after that. <laughs> See, right back to the storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Enough of this fun and mirth. Let's get back yeah. to my sweet story. Right back to the story about the answering machine and what's missing each other. I mean, I feel like "dog food for the cat" was like a placeholder line. I thought yeah. that he was doing like he's trying to be funny, but then I think that he probably also talked himself into it by saying, "This guy, i.e., me." It's so much trim that he just can't even think about what's what anymore. All he's doing is he's just a fucking his own trim commish. He doesn't know. He's fucking yeah. get some food. Like his life is so chaotic. He's having like an I love Lucy moment where he gets dog <laughs> so food much for the trim. cat. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go a step further. And I say he gets so much trim. It's just that, that, that he, he probably had a cat like two years ago. Yeah. Doesn't know. <laughs> I think I have a cat. Maybe it's a dog. I don't. I am just swimming in this river of pussy, and I don't. I, I don't like, know. I don't what's the know name what of I the have. cat, Roop? Uh, <sighs> Miss Terry. Miss and then he takes, a, he takes a look. Mystery. Get it? Oh, <laughs> look at that. Let it play. Let it play. Let it play. I have a song idea. Someone get this down. But I listen to the whole thing, just jamming to it and mad at the same time. Just <laughs> He had those fucking glasses, too, I think, Roop. It's like, oh, um, oh, yeah. like Stephen Bishop. Oh, Those yeah. are two dudes that got a lot of trim because they were in the biz. Then the, if you put them working for a fucking control data institute or some shit, <laughs> oh, the, yeah. the train has derailed. Yeah. Oh, totally. And maybe someone is knocking those glasses off of their face. Take those stupid glasses off. Don't wear smoke <laughs> glasses indoors. Like Catherine County be like, uh, I'm real busy. <laughs> <laughs> the only trim those guys get is occasionally their mustache. <laughs> I'm really busy, Rupert. What do you need? Like real flat. That's what she's... <laughs> yeah. Like, Rupe kind of banks on every Christmas for the the holiday party where he can get a, yeah. you know, a couple pops of champagne in, in Kath yeah. and yeah. maybe make yeah. out in the copy room or something. It still doesn't yeah. happen. No. Kind of I love busy. how the copy room is, like, universally regarded as where, where fucking this filth happens. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it started just because one yabo put an ass on the thing. At the party. Yeah, I don't... I, I'm trying to think... Like, what I the mean, fuck? We worked in plenty copy rooms, and I don't think I ever... Weird. Or, I mean, so a locked office. I mean, usually the copy room's a common area. You want to probably... I mean, I guess it's an after hours or... And no one's doing any copying, so yeah, you go in there to fucking so copy you, your nuts. They, I think that's the idea. I, I don't... Say, well, I figure my nuts are out. See if anyone <laughs> wants to cruise in here with me. Well, and here's the other thing, too. Figure the people that are there that at the office party that are involved in the liaison. Um, they uh, they both work there. They both probably have offices. So that presumably lock. Yeah. Yeah. With the, you know, it's it's and it's also Don Draper time. They probably have got a sofa in their office. I mean, and they also I, use the copy machines. Like, hey, hey, guy, you want to get your nuts up off there? Right for laughs. I got it. They got the Markinson account. I got to do the dots later. Like to have like less balls on it. Le- less balls. Can I get two fewer balls on here, please? That's the company promise. Fewer balls on the Xerox machine. That's our promise. 
I love how coffee smell coming right out of the coffee. Oh, oh God. Guys. <laughs> this smells like Leo's balls. <laughs> guys, don't you see the sign? Come on. Uh, God, we're drinking after hours. <laughs> all right. So we need to take a little visit into uh, Kibbit's Corner, which we will in yeah. a second, because I know George has something juicy planned for us. But let's continue celebrating 50 golden uh, episodes of this thing we call Ear and Loathing by taking a little stroll, or a scurry, I should say, down Gitmo Memory Lame. This is for Aaron. Memory Lame. It makes me so happy. I that to be the soundtrack of my life. When you're making copies at the office. <laughs> Waiting in line at the DMV. Then suddenly putting your balls on the copy. Why? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened here? Taking out my balls at the DMV. At the DMV copy. <laughs> Sir, you have to make a copy of this before you turn it in. Oh, where's your copy room? This <laughs> one, I'm taking my pictures. I'm just giving them the, what do you think about this? <laughs> How about getting that camera downtown? <laughs> Hey, I think you want to go a little, uh, little south of that camera, if you know what I mean. <laughs> south of the equator. <laughs> Maniac would do that. Check this out. All right. So you guys want to do 10 more and yep. just kind of jog those memories and see if you guys, you know, if you have any brain cells left. I love yes. it. And I won't blurt it, it out. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to blurt okay, it out. So here we go. Let's get started. American Embarrassment John Wayne. <laughs> what was the context of that? It's pretty specific. I'm, you know, I think you could get the segment. I remember the thi- I remember the episode. And I remember being so angry about John Wayne. I remember talking about it, but I don't remember the fucking like Oh, oh, okay. I think I got it. George, I, you I got, got it? nothing on that. I don't remember saying it or hearing it. <laughs> Aaron, if you if you got it, it's probably because it's a lyric in the song. Oh. Oh, oh, okay. I, I remember. It's uh, fucking Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, right? Yep. There you go. That, I was going to say, I was going to guess that because what else would it mean? You know, right. it's that or Buns, and it's not in the Buns song. <laughs> Same episode, though, by the way, which was a weird coincidence. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, we, I think Aaron was getting infuriated. Just the more we started exploring cowboy iconography, <laughs> the yeah. more annoyed you got. <laughs> and like how he isn't the man. Like, in like stayed out of fuck famously stayed out of world war ii yeah. uh you know when when fucking directors were going over there to fucking be a part of it and do their part you know and he was very lundbergian too about like totally. trashing the hippies and the, and the commies and everything yeah he had he always had a spare word for just talking shit about anybody oh, who was not white everyone like yeah, he played dude. the blacks yeah <laughs> piece of fucking garbage <laughs> whatever i'll get pissed again dude <laughs> That was going all the way back to episode 13. Okay. One, three. Um, okay, so Marie Kondo getting shit out of here. I don't know what that even is. <laughs> I remember the discussion. I, again, I don't remember why, though, it was uh, off, what it was off of. Um, you don't remember, George? I don't. Do you, wait, George, do you know who Marie Kondo actually is? No. Oh, she's like a kind of like clutter clutter-free life i forget what her thing is um does it give you joy or something when you when you're when you're trying to clear shit out of your house you know she's like one of those uh, organizers or something persons or a what 
Heloise hints, you know. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, she's just about organizing and streamlining your life, you know. Okay. And and I think you're supposed to look at the thing and, and ask yourself if it gives you joy, something like that. And if it doesn't, you just, I don't know, throw it away. Okay. So um, it gives me joy to fill the landfills. Thank you. So you guys aren't don't remember the context. No. Um, if you thought about it, you might figure it out. But it was our 2022 wrap-up show when Aaron uh-huh. was clearing out the voicemails. Ah, right. episode right. forty-one. Not really that long ago. No. By the way, uh, I, I see the machine, and it's already on like forty-seven messages. I can oh, see it because it's here. In, it's here in Shabby Road. I can see it's like forty-seven messages, and that's up like three from yesterday. So we're already getting calls. Oh, great! <laughs> I know it's in my future. <laughs> A handful of them are shit talking. You know, <laughs> we just trashed Rupert for like five minutes. And that's, yeah. This is his territory, baby. Yeah, no shit. I think that we should. Uh, be on the lookout for his call. I'll yeah. make a note of that. Catalog it. <laughs> he has to say. Okay, moving right along. This is the full quote. Aaron, colon, the only sexy Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only... I think I remember because of the that last word when that came up. Okay, uh, George, no idea, right? None. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to wonder if George has ever known any of these. <laughs> As I think back, I'm like 30%. Well, what's funny about George is that he was making fun of Bingo the other day for not listening to this podcast because he's on it so often. But George is on it every episode. All 52 <laughs> yeah. episodes, George has been on it, and he's listened to almost all of them once. I have. <laughs> but he doesn't retain it. We're even extracting quotes from George's past. <laughs> and I don't know them. Like heckling cheap trick. He's like, I don't know what you guys Who are talking about. Who did I say that? What Who asshole that? did that? <laughs> That's stupid. Who would do that? I'm going to need a source on that. Um, you? <laughs> um, right. I think I remember... Uh, it might be a trick question, because I think I remember it. Go ahead. Um, should I... Can I say it? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Well, is it... Um, Maybe it wasn't. I'm thinking that it was MacArthur Park episode, but like it, it would have had to have done. There's no Welshman in that, but for some reason I was thinking it came from that. Yeah, I could see how you would think that because those guys are, you know, all those British guys are. They, they, when they say they're from Wales, you just don't give a shit. You just go, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I care. Oh, we were talking about. We were talking. Tom Jones came up, right? And you were saying the only sexy Welshman except for me. Sort of. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tom Jones, I believe, was discussed and that's when we got into the sexy and that your your people are from Wales or something aren't they I found out with from the fucking uh, ancestry that I got a, a slice of slice of Welsh okay <laughs> you know how you know how Welsh I am is I'll tell you how remember years ago <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day remember that goddamn Irish spring commercial where the guys in the he's in the big fucking thick and thirsty sweater and he's yeah. he's trying to make a point trying to make a point about the goddamn soap and he's like all proud of himself he goes "Uh, check this out and he whips out a knife and like gives takes off a slab yeah yeah, takes off a slice what is he gonna eat apple right to what end what is he doing that (laughs) yeah it's not like it's not like freshen up gum where some like goo comes out or anything it's just just more green soap that he cut away right (laughs) eat it you bastard eat it What's he doing? So you're, so you're saying you're the slice that he sliced off. <laughs> That's right. I'm that Welsh. <laughs> Put your knife away, fucking Liam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go iron your sweater. Your big fat sweater. <laughs> All right. So it was the Britney Fox episode. I ah. think I think Britney Fox had like a coat of arms or something. Yeah. like a, Yeah, yeah exactly. George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they did. Right, and they all dressed kind of like in the pirate shirts and everything, like the frilly. You know, yeah. Kind of had that vibe. Yeah, yeah parade-looking coats and yeah. Right? Yeah, and one of the few times that George brought something useful out of his research, <laughs> he said that, like, Brittany Fox, there's something Welsh about either the name or the coat of arms or something, or maybe it was like an, a historical yeah. figure or something. It was, The yeah, lead singer, exactly. George, yeah. maybe? Yeah, it, no, no, the, no the, the name Brittany Fox is like a Welsh captain or something. There's something Welsh uh, about it. Right, exactly. He's yeah. like a Welsh hero, I think, even. yeah, Like Captain Ron? <laughs> like Captain Ron. Very much like... Not sort of. Exactly like Captain exactly Ron. Exactly like Captain Ron. <laughs> like Sully? <laughs> Miracle on the Hudson, dog. Have him slice off some soap, dude. He'll tell you what's up. All right. So the next one we have is Houses on Stilts. Oh, okay. I remember. I remember exactly. Again, I have zero, so go ahead. <laughs> it was uh, 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 the Moody Blues episode, and and Damon was thinking that the that the sliding, like the earth sliding, t- standing in the slide zone, that they were worried about the houses on stilts in Los Angeles because they were recording out here. <laughs> right, that, wasn't that it? It was. Uh, we were trying to apply logic to their stupid right. fucking song, I which was, the about song a, was about a, a boggle, the Moody Boggle, or something, <laughs> Scrabble, or something. It's, wasn't it? it's about uh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. Yes, yeah. and, and we're going. Well, they were staying in Los Angeles, and they were and they were staying in the Hollywood Hills, which is, has houses on stilts. And if they're if they're in an earthquake zone or, or what you could consider a slide zone, where the house would okay, that would make sense if that was what you wrote the song about. No, it was about a board game for kids. Right. I love they're staying in the Hollywood Hills. Are they going up partying? No, they're playing Sorry up the hills in a stilt house. <laughs> My God, can you expect that's so perfect for the Moody Blues? Like when I think of them with their dopey faces, like of course that's what they're doing. <laughs> Nothing else good is happening. My favorite part of of Gitmo memory lame is how angry we we get again. From All this. over again, yeah. <laughs> fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, probably one of the classics of all time, which I, I believe we all riffed together, but then Aaron crystallized it with with this. Operation Snossage. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I think I know this one. Okay, George, give this it a This is from Run, Joey, Run. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> because Run, Joe, Run, the TV series that Damon... <laughs> Which was about a German shepherd that was went around crimes. helping, ran around helping people like the Hulk, right, or something. <laughs> they had like the National Guard chasing the German shepherd, looking for him. And then my point was, look, with, I'm pretty sure, like in the big city life, if a dog goes one block over, <laughs> he's just a mystery animal now. <laughs> totally, yeah, he's a whole new guy. <laughs> Without a couple snossages on your lawn, he'll show up. Somebody will show up. Bust him. Yeah. You're right. A dog goes one block away. It's like his name's not Fido anymore. I'm gonna call you Butch. And he's it's like, you got the snossages? Dog. I'm Butch. Great. Don't <laughs> <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> so the Operation Sausage was what the the police were gonna unveil to to capture Joe. <laughs> it was either that or someone mentioned Gainsburgers. <laughs> <laughs> Some lieutenant who's on the fucking make for a promotion, he came up with it, and he made lets everyone know that it was his, his idea. <laughs> Phillips came up with the Gainsburger thing. <laughs> All right, another great Aaron quote, and I, this one I'm going to need some help with the context. A $5 word at a five-cent buffet. <laughs> now, I can tell you the episode 
first, I want to hear if you guys have any recollection of that. Or oh have any shit, idea. I remember it. I remember because I heard Joey in my head repeating it just now. I remember oh. saying I remember. it, but I don't remember. Joey was there. It is the yeah. Joey episode, right? Now, I didn't find it in the episode. Um, it's it's one of two segments, and I think I think I know which one it is, but it's plausible it could be the other one. So it's either Toby Keith or Billy Joel. It's Toby Keith. Okay. Uh, it's Toby. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. were laughing about George made the point that the uh, there's a word that they use that were that doesn't sound right in the hillbilly nature of the song. Oh, it's from the chorus of Red Solo Cup. It was Red Solo Cup. Proceed. Yeah. Proceed. <laughs> proceed. Right. Let's proceed. Proceed to party. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> proceed was upsetting George. That sounded too, too fancy. I think I, I don't co- feel comfortable with that at all. <laughs> proceed. What's that mean? Putting on airs. You learned that word in New York City, didn't you? <laughs> you and your fancy five dollar word, right? <laughs> proceed the party. <laughs> An asshole. I think of Tombstone Bobble. You may proceed. <laughs> there you go. Now. This is one I cannot tell you. I can tell you the episode it's from, and I'll even tell you the segments, and you could uh, maybe suss it out. But I would put this in a completely different episode. But I'm wrong about that. It comes from this episode. Okay, ready? The quote is, I believe it's a George quote, tube tops and bananas. And So it's not MC Hammer. <laughs> it's not, yeah. I would think it'd be that, or it would be um, like the, the Disco Rilla one. I, I'm thinking maybe Jackal. Well, no, let me tell you the, the three okay. segments, and then we can okay. maybe narrow it down. Okay. Four Preps, which is down by the station, da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And then the baseballs, you know, I'm talking baseball. Ugh. And then Hart was the was the uh, the sorbet. I, why did George say two tops and bananas in that episode? Unless we were talking about, like... Okay, this is coming to mind now. Is it, like, one of those truck trucker movies, like Clint Eastwood, or... BJ and the Bear or something. Right, right. What'd you say the songs were again? Four Preps, uh, the baseball song. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, It was Four Preps because Glenn Larson produced it, and then we were riffing on... Oh, right. Me and George were being studio execs uh, talking about BJ and the Bear. Okay, got it. And he was saying, oh, oh, yeah. And I go, oh, so he's alone in there? No, he's got a monkey. (laughs) And and, and a bunch of hot broads. Broads and tube tops, right? (laughs) (laughs) That was the budget, maybe? We've got a big budget. Tube tops and bananas. That's all we need. (laughs) Another successful Glenn meeting. (laughs) The guy's a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Where does he come up with it? All right. Um, This is a very recent one. Um, you know, there's nothing I can do if they're reason. They're, you know, I gotta use them. All right, Kip Hibachi. Oh. <laughs> I think we all know that one. Yeah. <laughs> the Glenn Fry. Yeah. yeah. Glenn Fry formulating a stage name. What was the other one? Phil what? Phil. Phil Broil. Phil Broil. <laughs> and then, and then George said, uh, Rick, "Oh shit, what was it, Ricky?" Ricky roasted. <laughs> <laughs> and then Aaron came in with Kip Hibachi. <laughs> Kip Hibachi. Phil Broil. Ricky roasted. Okay, we got some names for you. Tell me what you like. Okay. I think it might be Ricky B. Roasted. He's having fun. You know what I mean? He knows that it's roasted. That was his rap persona. So, okay, this is from... Uh, an episode where I have no idea. I think I said it, 
and it was even like a little side riff that I don't even, but it had to do with, well, let me just say it first and then you guys can tell me if you can figure it out. Bing Vivant. That just happened, right? No, um, it was episode 35, so. Oh, shit, I guess not. Yeah, at least read this Bing one. Vivant? I don't remember why I said it. It so was like a Bon Vivant, but Bing Crosby? Yeah, it's, it's, it's bingo. It, <laughs> it was, was bingo. About, it was in about, reference to bingo. Oh, oh yeah. okay. It was one of the many times I think that we were saying that he just has fun. He just is enthusiastic yeah. about life, and he just goes and does things. The three songs, maybe this will um, you know, push us over the edge. The guitar groupie song. Oh, uh, yeah. Butterfly Kisses. <laughs> and uh, Donnie... Donny Iris. Oh, right. it was. It was. It, I just re-listened to that one recently. Actually, um, it was. Uh, it was about uh, guitar groupie. I think because you somebody you were talking about it, George. Of course, going through the stuff, and then Damon said because it's in reference to a guitar player, and then and then Damon says, Are "You sure she's not talking about bingo?" All <laughs> oh, right. And then we said, "Like, well, it could be. I mean, come on, it's, it's about the it's about the right age." Yeah, <laughs> he likes going he out. He lives that kind of. L- that life, right? Yeah. Of a bon vivant. He gets down. He does he get, down. Gonna get down. Gets down. He lives from riff to riff. <laughs> he does. That's right. That's part of the lyrics. Riff to living from riff to riff. <laughs> Aaron, give me a little. Give me a little share saying riff. Riff to riff. Give me a little share. Riff to riff. <laughs> hey, share. Uh, Doing great. This is Billy here in the in the uh, in the in the, in the control room. What'd you just say? <laughs> are there any consonants in there? Okay, we are on number 10 for this week. I feel like this one's easy. This was a... Aaron expanded something I said. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. Two tenors and a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing. More butthole talk. That's a keister keeper. <laughs> Two tenors and a butthole. It was a it was a pun bun. It was a bun pun, I think. Uh, from Georgie, you remember it at all? Mm, I don't. I tried. It's there, but I don't know. Fuck. It was two tenors in a butthole. Me. It was a pun on something else. The thing that led up to that was. Um, well, what I said. I'll tell you what I said, and maybe it'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. Mm. I said two tenors in a Canadian. Oh, because we were j- joking about the three tenors. It was uh, d- on fucking the the yeah. Sting, Brian Adams, Rod Stewart song. Right, right, right. Ah, we were talking yes. about the okay. three tenors. I mean, yes, right. Okay. We were trying to th- oh, was that the three tenors? There's three tenors in a butthole. Uh, that's how. It <laughs> yeah, was. it was because uh, the song was Rod Stewart, Sting, and Brian Adams, and then Brian Adams did it live on stage with two of the of the three tenors. Oh, that's right. How did that happen? Right. The okay. capper was you said uh, it was two tenors and a fiver. I was short that day. That was the that was the joke. <laughs> yeah, but I originally said it was because I don't know what we were talking about the three tenors, and I said, well, actually, it was only two tenors in a Canadian, which was Brian Adams, <laughs> and then you said two tenors in a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's the the latest uh, installment of nice. <laughs> Gitmo Memory Lane. Here you go, Aaron. <laughs> Run, my little animated friends, through the forest and over hill and yon. <laughs> it's one of those like asshole uh, Disney cartoons, like where it's Popeye or something, where he's just some assholes just walking down the street, like like smoking and whistling, you know, like <laughs> they're flapping their arms in a very strange way, yeah, right? Yeah, way out there, strutting, way out. strutting, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. That was that was all fun and games, but now um, 
we have to talk to this very serious, very studious, very academic fellow. He's going to usher us into the next segment, into his uh, corner of the world called Kibbit's Corner. Now, Mr. Clemson, what do you have to say about this? Hi there. Welcome to Kibbit's Corner. He's very serious, very studious. He doesn't mess around. He's Clem Clemson, and he's now asking George to regale us with a Kibbit's Corner segment. Happy to, and believe it or not, it is a little bit serious. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think you guys will like it, though. So, um, I want to talk about you, too. Thank you. The band, you two? I want to talk about... No, the spy plane. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Powers. Gary Powers. No, the band, you too. I want to talk about you too. Um, and, uh, and, and play the clip that I've, uh, that I've sent to you. Oh, you sent me a clip? I did. Holy shit. <laughs> I sent you a Kibitz Corner clip and, and also... Ah, uh, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so play this. All right. In his band, he has the weakest rhythm section ever known in a multi-platinum band. The drummer can't drum, the bass player can't play, the guitar player has one riff. Right. The singer is this utter buffoon who should be in a bar. Oh, that's that's okay. fucking Henry Rollins, Now, right? that's Henry Rollins on Howard's He's a fucking idiot. In 2000. That was the year 2000 when he said that. And, um, and first fucking off, Rollins. you know... No, no, really, judgment, good or bad. But I think Henry Rollins might be on the spectrum a little bit. Like, just <laughs> notes. I'm not kidding. Like, I think he has no recognition of you know social, which makes him kind of funny. And I've and I like the way he you know takes the piss out of people. And you know what I like when he does all that. Yeah. But now, and that was in, that was in 2000. But now, I don't know if you guys know this, but like that has been going around again. And I looked it up for like the past six months, like December of 22s when it started, and someone made a gif or a gig or a flip or a flap or the fuck the kids call it <laughs> of that where they have a picture of someone's band they don't like or somebody they don't like and they just use the utter buffoon part and it's been going around tiktok and instagram and all these places and it's everywhere again and then people start asking well who is that from and who what, what were they talking about because i don't think half the people even knew it was about you too and so I just became, it, it made me mad because for some, somehow I'd never, this got past me and I, and I, you guys, I guess you probably know this, that I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, first of all, for other reasons I'll get to, fuck Henry for saying that. <laughs> but second is, U2 is the, there's, there's one, I can, Aerosmith too, but they broke up. U2 is the only band, major band I can think of. They're all still alive and they're all still together. They never broke up. They never did a solo record. And just that alone, I thought, Jesus, what? I didn't realize that when I started thinking about, oh, yeah, fuck, that's right. And that's right, isn't it? Sort of, yeah. I, I mean, think they've, they, both, they, they both kind of paired off and did little solo one-off projects, like soundtrack stuff and everything. But mm -hmm. they, yeah, you, they've never, like, the, the Larry Mullen solo album or anything. No, they didn't have no. an official release. And I started thinking about that because I'd seen a clip, and unfortunately I haven't watched the whole thing of the thing on Disney they're doing about the new record where they get interviewed by David Letterman and they're reimagining the songs and doing them acoustic and all that. Now, have you guys seen any of that? I saw mm -hmm. it, yes, and I can yeah. talk about it in a minute. Yeah, and it was and, and the parts I saw were really good, and it, it made me think because in the beginning they say like, well, Larry's off making a film and and whatever, and Adam's doing. I forget what they say he's doing, but it really it was the first time I'd heard them frame it as this is just him and Edge doing this, 
And I know that they're on. The, I know that they're on the. Uh, they're on the record and everything. But the way they said it seemed like they were much more by themselves on this. But I, I thought that was amazing. That and I know I looked it up, and I know there's other bands that haven't broken up or haven't, and they've always been together. But they're not major stars the way that um, the way that U two is. And the other one I thought, of course, was Aerosmith, but they did break up. They did have a whole record where Joe and Brad left and then they came back and all that. And U2's never broken up. And just for that fact alone, and there's many other reasons, you'd have to respect them for, for, for just for that. That's incredible that, that they've been together this long and, and they've done that, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That was amazing to me. And then, and then, um, and then I, and then also I kind of not wrestled with this, but that I, I looked at it because I didn't, there was a lot of years that I didn't, didn't really like you two too much. And I know that then everybody after Joshua Tree felt like they were pretentious and too much and all the shit they took from Rattle and Hum and... Not everybody. Not everybody, but a lot of people. That wasn't a, that that was a popular sentiment or a popular thing to say or think, or a lot of people thought it. And, but then, but then the way they reimagined themselves with Octung Baby, and I love the way, I love the story about one and how they were completely lost. Completely lost. They were going to pack up the band right then. And then somehow, through a jam, they found that. And it, everything crystallized at that moment, and it all worked. And if you've ever been in a band, it's just such a good story to hear that that was still possible. After all they'd been through, and the stars they'd be, the stars they be, the stars they were, and and how big you, how big they were, and how hard it's over to co- overcome something like Joshua Tree. Well, to your point, George, is yeah. the way you do that typically is that the brotherhood is stronger than anything else that might be coming your way. So when you have nothing in that moment where they were like. I don't know about this new direction. Larry and Adam don't understand what we're talking about. Uh, we, you know, there's nothing worse than when you keep having to try to prove your point to anyone, yeah. let alone uh, a group of men in a room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you and know, it's, yeah, right. <laughs> it's fucking hard. And 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 the way that it works, and the way that it worked, is that patience and brotherhood powered through so like you just because you buy yourself three more ideas from this person's mouth because you've got you know decades of time you know it can be very challenging too because you're sick of that person but if you really reflect on it and you give it a moment the brotherhood is better is is more important than anything else and so they got a shot i will be impressed with the folly of you two's choices from time to time but yeah. like I said this a few episodes ago, there's nobody who's impressed me more with the balls that they have for trying what they try. And for when people take them apart, it's like, I don't know. It just it's just it's upsetting to me because it's like people get uptight about fucking Bono because he tries to do great stuff and be helpful. And like he has the to again, like we we're talking about Lenin with the piece in the bed and stuff like that. Like, use whatever you get out of this bullshit celebrity that's fleeting as fuck. Do something. Fucking do something. Quietly or loudly. He happens to do it loudly and then also does it very quietly too, you know, and he's generous with his time and his celebrity and he treats people like he gives a shit. And he's also one of the greatest performers ever and part of one of the greatest bands ever. And for people like Henry fucking one note Rollins, fuck off, dude, (laughs) fuck off. It totally pissed me off too, because then I'd forgotten that um, in the beginning, 
they were coming from a, a punk rock ethos. They were coming. That's where they were coming they were. from. And they, I didn't I didn't realize too until reading about them. And I was you know I was a I guess I might of course I knew who they were and I knew what I I will follow. And I saw them like at the L.A. Sports Arena I think on the War Tour because that's New Year's Day right? Yeah. I yeah, so. that's yeah. I saw him on I saw him on that tour, and and that was the show. There's a famous show where Bono stopped the show, and I'd never seen anyone do that before. He stopped the show because somebody like got up on stage or threw something at him. I think got up on stage, and he stopped the show and lectured the guy and said, "Audience trust performer, performer trust audience." And I'd never seen a guy stop a show. I wouldn't think it was because somebody came on stage. He he's yeah. famously brings people. If, even if they don't want to come on stage, he's bringing people on stage. Or maybe a guy was climbing <laughs> something some, or yeah, something was dangerous and he didn't like it. Yeah. And he stopped the show and never seen him do that. And I thought they probably that, threw something. Threw so, throwing something is not yeah. is way worse. Maybe he's hurt. But he stopped the show. Something. And I was yeah. like, yeah. oh. And at the moment, at that moment, I thought, well, this is kind I, I get it. Like, it's 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 kind of shtick, I guess. But I think he means this. Like, he really is doing this, you know? It's not oh, a he piece means of show everything business. he fucking says, yeah. dude. But he was young then, you know, like he was and yeah. and I and that's the only time I saw them, but it was I remembered that and I remembered the show and and also I didn't know that they weren't really great musicians when they started and I didn't know all the trouble they had with Larry and the way he kept time. I didn't know all that. I read about all that 2 days ago. And they and he finally got they got him to use a click track. I think Un- Unforgettable Fire was the first time. But that somebody said, one of those producers said, like, he sees time completely different than anybody else. I don't know if you, I think you may have got that convoluted, George. I think that might be in reference to Edge, because Larry famously has incredible timing. Really? No, no, this quote, because then Bono said, because then Bono answered, this can't be, Larry's trained, he's he's the best of us. No, that can't be right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Question your sources. But anyway, from the beginning, they were, I, I didn't know they were such a raw band i thought they played for a long time and, and i know they paid their dues and stuff but not for that long before they were signed well you were stuff. they were on the road at 18 yeah I so know. like how much time do you have so you, you're gonna be you're gonna be uh you know when your influences are what they are you can take it on the road by being just bashing stuff out right and that's what they did that's what made me so mad about about henry is like he, he should have appreciated that there's more. There's. They are closer than they are apart in ethos, and it's, yeah, it is upsetting that he would be such a cunt about it because he's like, "What are you talking about? I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. You know, you're just a buffoon, though." Yeah. Um. One thing I wanted to ask you guys that I read. I read this quote that you know. I think this might be true about every band, but maybe it's more true about. I don't know if it's more true about them, but they. But that everything they did after Joshua Tree was a reaction to it. A reaction to Joshua Tree? Yeah, like Rattle the Hum was trying to reproduce it. Octoon Baby was trying to be different. Everything after that was them trying to react to something because it was such a huge record. And I thought about what a huge, absolutely huge record that is. And then I read this review too that, like, you know, I kind of don't like when they do that. They do a, you know, a, a retro review of like, look at it 20 years later. And somebody wrote that they, they thought that, of course, the first side's such a powerhouse and the second side isn't. And that the second that if you that the the second side really wasn't that good, and I'm like, yeah, it is. That's, That's what makes the record is that it's not you know because all the hits are on the first side of Joshua Tree's the second side. Yeah, that's good. what they said. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they said. 
That, that if you did that, that was it was it was so much it was so much not as good as the first like one. Exit and Red Hill Mining Town yeah. and Rain yes. to Stand Still like that's yep. a sleepy non good out fuck off right and like, I don't and even want to trust the ink coming out of that cunt's pen dude and Running to Stand Still might be my favorite song on that record <laughs> maybe because I've heard idiot. the other one so many times you know I still love them but. doesn't it Second Side open with One Tree Hill yes that's well, one of, one of their best songs ever yeah I know. Mm. <laughs> I just want to see if you guys agreed with that. Oh, no, fuck no. Uh, fucking idiots. Fuck people who do that. About them. That was like in so 2007, much, I think I was. It's the boon to the fucking internet for fucking for writers who want it, who love doing the shit talk of you two because people like to click on it and it's it's funny to them for the moment. It's fucking weak. It's soft writing. Yeah, in the um, It's so dumb. I want to see you guys thought this too. Like in the beginning, <laughs> in the beginning um the music it sounded to me in the beginning, up through, un, right before Joshua Tree, all that music sounded like, and someone wrote it better than I did. They they wrote they wrote how the the music was. It seemed they didn't say hypnotic, they said monotonous. How it seemed around <laughs> like it everything sounded kind of the same, like it was going around and around. And that's what their music. I liked their music, but it felt that way to me. And then has that John- person ever seen fucking Under Blood Red Sky? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seen the fucking power of Gloria and how dynamic it is and how incredible and it is. It's like the, how fucking like the Clash it is in in the way of like earnest people. I love the Clash, but the Clash gets fucking hand job after fucking hand job in comparison to. I mean, it's the same ideas, the same big ideas, and the same foisting it on the listener. It's the same. It's the scuff from the same club. Well, yeah, political anthems and stuff. Yeah, and like and like they there's they're dynamic in their song structures. They're dy- even from the early days because they fucking had to have dynamics because they couldn't do a bunch with their instruments, so they had to do uh, <laughs> the fucking same monotonous. Fuck off. But I thought that Sorry, Joshua George. Tree and their and the whole thing about coming to America and American roots music really added. I thought that mixed with what they were doing made Joshua Tree a perfect record for that time and who they were right yeah i mean i think that it it it, it was a it was a scope it broadened their scope and stuff but like i don't when i listen to joshua tree i hear the same fucking band i don't mean, it's not like suddenly they became roots rock or fucking country or something i mean there's a, their their minds got larger being 24 25 now yeah you know so you could talk about you were you were writing to match i think for maybe the first time well, on Unforgettable Fire, it seemed like they were like it sounds like where they wrote it when you listen to the ambiance of uh, Unforgettable Fire. Every song on it, it sounds like the fucking it, you could be like on the fucking moors. Like it sounds right. like that. Yeah, that's the one they did at a castle, in, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the and the Joshua Tree sounds like they had visited because they'd been to America enough and seen it from a bus. Um, and from airplanes and how vast it is that they and started the to write. Yeah, well, they started <laughs> yeah. to write with the big, wide open desert in their mind, you know, right. and so and so so it feels like it sounds like that. But never once does it sound like an art, like they're you know copying R and B or anything. No, just adding that to it though, to what they were already doing, I mm-hmm. thought that made it. That's really what changed and made such a that such an incredible record. And by the way, right. I didn't like. I mean, I. I like those songs then, of course, because I, mean, I hate people that go, well, I don't know what, what, you know, it's like, oh, you don't know what Thriller is. Do you know what fucking baseball is? Like, if you're <laughs> live in 1987, you know what the Joshua Tree is, so stop it. 
you know. Yeah. And so, of course, I heard those songs, and I ended up in all my all my going to you know go through singles at, at Tower at Tower Records. I ended up liking Sweetest Thing and Silver and Gold. Those were my two favorite songs from U two yeah. of that period. And then later, after Octung Baby, I um I I guess rediscovered or whatever as an adult or more of an adult the uh, in my thirties Joshua Tree and really loved it. Yeah, don't sleep on War, dude. War is a fucking amazing record, start to finish. Yeah. Surprising that earlier in their that earlier in their career. Yeah, but I want to say my piece about you two. I felt like I uh, I felt like I had to. Let me ask you guys one other thing. I don't know about them that I couldn't find anything. I know their partiers, you know, whatever, like to have a good time, but you never hear about them drugs or that. That's not their image. That's not their thing. It feels like. Adam Clayton missed a show. <laughs> it's the only time it's ever happened. He missed a show. Oh, did he? Was he? too fucked up. He was like passed out somewhere and they weren't going to be able to use him. Like he wasn't going to be able to get together. It was a fucking stadium show too, dude. It was like pop or something. It was like, really? and I think Australia or somewhere. And his, his roadie had to do the show. Oh, I kind of remember that now. I kind of remember that. Yeah. Now. And they probably said he was sick or something. Something. Yeah. And they stuck by him, but he was mortified. Uh, as you can imagine. But I, what I was thinking was that I think that helped with the staying together and the, you know, not because that's, because that's what broke up a lot of bands. Cause the thing you were saying a minute ago about you asked, well, we stayed together because what's bigger than brotherhood and what's, and you said all that. And I thought, well, the answer is money and drugs is what's bigger than brotherhood. Energy. Yeah. If you don't have the energy because you've been up for three days to deal with someone who's having a artistic crisis, yeah, you know, and you can't support them. Yeah, then then nothing can beat that. You're right about that. I think that they, I think that like they all can be boozers, but taking it to that next level, which Adam apparently was, was affecting him in dark ways. But Bono apparently, along with like Morrissey, are the greatest drinkers in the land. <laughs> like, yeah, I've kind of heard that party, too. Right? Yeah, rage. Like Noel Gallagher talks about how like upsetting it is how much bono can party <laughs> and this is not that long ago and bono's like lapping him like gallagher's getting wake-up calls from bono who's been up all night <laughs> <laughs> well it's good they kept their heads like that because i did think yeah. that they didn't you know because I, I i you know of course alcohol's a drug and all that but i think when a band gets involved with drugs hard drugs it's that's another level than drinking and maybe i'm wrong about that but that's what it feels like to me because you can pass out if you drink a lot. You know, at the very least, you're going to pass out, so that can kind of count as sleep. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I uh, want to say my piece about you, too. So there it is. God bless him, dude. Yeah. God bless you, too. Yeah, I saw the the documentary. Here's the, the thing with, with you, too, is, like, I can, I can have two different thoughts in my head at the same time about you, too, which mm-hmm. is... Bono does, he's never outgrown his propensity for wanting to overanalyze things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets way too into like, what, is, what does you two mean? What does rock and roll mean? What, you know, what does America mean? <laughs> and you just, you, you, I mean, there's only so much of that you can take, but then. He creates his Bono sound bites, which are taxing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would, and that documentary, like when they're performing, it's just him and, and Edge. And then they've got this cello player girl who's really good. And so it's just the three of them on stage, and it's fucking great. And they're doing hits from all of their their eras. Not even hits, like some deep cuts, too. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And then you have to kind of wade through a, a lot of Bono 
philosophizing about shit that you kind of don't care about. Yeah. Um, but I will, I want to agree with something that Aaron said earlier, which is, you know, and Sting gets this too, when he was talking about the rainforests and everything. Right. Now, I mean, as far as I know, Bono and Sting, you know, someone will remind me, oh yeah, Bono put out a, a makeup line or something. But I guess my point is like, oh. they never <laughs> yeah. use their celebrity. I'm sure they have endorsed Sting's, apparently uh, endorses that watch he's constantly wearing. It's in every photo <laughs> shoot. G, the G-Force. <laughs> G-Shock watch. <laughs> the G is for Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't see those guys endorsing products or putting out, like, wine or, or anything. And whenever you hear them getting, quote, pretentious, it's about something they want to improve a situation, either, like, right. poverty or the environment or something. And does it come across as luxury sometimes? Yeah, to, to people with small brains. I love how people react to... It's not even a criticism. It's just sort of like an observation about life that, hey, we should probably work on this. And then they get offended by it or something. They get all defensive. Like, don't tell me what to do, Bono. Well, (laughs) I'm just trying to, you know, raise awareness about this thing. Calm down. It happens when people say things like, hey, listen, we should probably take a look at like, you know, how, you know. The question of race in America. We should probably take a look. Hey, I never fucking was shit. Get out of here, foreigner. <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't bring slaves over. Hey, guy, what is the matter with you? Why are you acting so defensive? I, we're just saying, like, isn't it cool, like, maybe just to be nicer to people? If people want to be referred to a certain way, what the fucking problem is that? Just fucking do it. Say it. What skin is it off your nose? We're going, we're doing more laps because you're being a bitch about it. Right. A couple other things that you guys mentioned, George. Yeah. Uh, Sweetest thing. Now, if you're a true classic K Rock fan, you'll remember and possibly like better the original kind of demo y version of Oh, yeah, dude. Thing. I hate that remix. I fucking oh, hate good. it. Oh, good. Okay. That's what you're talking about. I fucking about. hate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The I, original one is better. Yeah, yeah. I bought I bought this single, of course, but it was it was um like the A side was uh, Streets Have No Name, I think. And then the B-side was, you know, they do that sometimes where the B-side then was, was uh, it was two songs and you had to put it on 33 to run it. instead, And just the A-side was 45. And it had Silver and Gold and Sweetest Thing on the same side of the record. Oh. Like it was on a 45. And by the way, the other thing too about, about, um, about Rattle and Hum, which I never even saw that movie, but um, I liked Angel of Harlem. I liked uh, Love Fuck When yeah. Love Comes to Town. Fuck I yeah. like those two songs. Me too. And it's not a failure. The fucking album sold like 10 million copies. 14. 14. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was massive. And like, and here's something, by the way. Let's stop this fucking conversation right now. George, what you need to do tonight mm-hmm. or tomorrow, wait till Friday, you know, have a couple pops. And I'm not telling you to watch the entire Rattle and Hum, which you fucking should. Yeah. But just pull up. It works better when you see the film because it, when, where the streets have no name comes on. It switches to color at a particular point for the first time in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only is it one of the greatest rock songs and goosebump-inducing songs, but it's just a thrilling fucking moment in the movie because of how, they, how it's shot and how it looks and how incredible it is. Like, you, you should watch that. Okay. In that doc that just came out with David Letterman. Yeah. Um, there's one point where it's just him and Edge in a, in a room, and Edge starts playing through this tiny little amp uh, the the riff from uh, I guess it is where the streets have no name that yeah. that kind of delayed riff that he ding ding yeah. ding 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 ding, right. ding. Yeah. Yeah. and um, 
it's so fucking iconic that Dave makes him play it again. He goes, I'm never going to get this chance again. Could you please do that again? <laughs> so, so he and uh, so Edge plays again. But I was listening to that riff and I'm thinking this fucking guy, because people that's one of the things that Rollins probably, uh, you know, criticizes him for is using the, all the effects on the guitar and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather listen to that to Edge playing that riff than fucking Clapton playing Layla. <laughs> and also using that, using that, it's very easy to sound like a fucking asshole too. Like it, it, it's a numb nuts thing to say because you have to because it's all about how you pick it and how you operate what you're playing with what it's creating. It's a completely, especially with delay. Like yes, it can sound like it's filling up a room quickly, but if you fuck up, you sound like a knob job right away and it repeats. It's, it's a rhythm thing. It's incredible. Agreed. I, what I what I would be mad about that was that. Again, whether you like that or not, that's a signature sound. It's his sound. It's like getting mad at Eddie Van yep. Halen going, he yep. does hammer-ons too much. <laughs> yeah. That's his sound, you fucking asshole. That's with, what with he does. With people who use effects and stuff, that Eddie would talk a lot of shit about people who do that. Like, <laughs> I guess, but I mean, but that's his sound. That's what, that's yeah. his signature thing. So why, you know, whatever, Edge created that. When you hear it, it's certainly not anyone else, is it? Yeah. That's no, his it's sound. gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, so why can't you, you know? And he's not only really good at it, but no one else could do it like that. Right. It's his thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't because everyone agrees it's fuck. He's bitching. Yeah. Fuck right. off, Henry Rollins. <laughs> well, and they were saying on this record how that it, that it uh, by doing it acoustic, it, it dispelled that now because it still sounds great. And he's not yeah. using that. And you also, as a listener, though, they have the luxury of playing to people who are hearing that and feeling right. what the big version did to them. Yeah. And so if you're open-minded, you could hear the other one and feel full in a different way. I listened to a fair amount of those songs, and, and I liked them the way... Yeah, and I, they were great. Usually I'm not a yeah. fan of that, of like, hey, let's do it acoustic. And I think, no, don't. And But I like these. I thought they were good. The thing is with a band like you 2 I have 7,000 observations. I'm just going to give you a couple more, and then I'll let this yeah. go. Yeah. But... Uh, one was when they put those that that album on everyone's iPhone. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was a big. Yeah, that, no one liked that. And I just yeah, and I just thought uh, when I found out about it, and I looked on my phone, and I had it on. I go, oh cool, I just got a free U two album. I, I I don't know why right. everyone was so mad about it. And, and, and if you didn't like them, what fucking impact did it have on your life? No, just delete it. It was it was dumb, and and it was it was this it was that grand thinking of theirs where they're thinking that they're giving a gift, but it's like. It would only take maybe some other voice in the room to go, I don't know, like, let's just give it like a coupon so that you can go get it for free. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't yeah. just do it. But like, who gives a fucking shit, really? Right. Like, fuck it. And in the, in the end, they win because they fucking still, people still talked about it and the tour was still massively successful and so was the record. Yeah. So who lost? The person who's wasting minute fucking one talking about how awful they are for doing it. And it, and it was another opportunity for people to criticize you too for something. Yeah, it was yeah, a freebie. Being, they just is a, a slow one over the plate for anyone who wanted to talk shit about you too. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and those same people would probably be very happy to drag Bono through the mud for bothering to think about other things and bring it up from time to time. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know the fact that Apple has the technology just to do that, just to randomly put a thing on every iPhone. If they <laughs> wanted to, they can. Yeah, yeah it makes you go, oh, I guess they can just do whatever they want, and I, I can't, I can't control it. I guess I have to get rid of my iPhone for this never to happen again, because people can just track my shit everywhere. So anyway, then the last <laughs> thing is funny. 
the, a couple months ago, our, the band was playing. This girl comes up to us and says, my mom, it's her birthday and she really wants to request a song. And we went, okay, because we're thinking it's some, you know, Mustang Sally or something. <laughs> and she goes, her favorite song in the whole world. And usually, by the way, we try to accommodate. Like, even if we go, look, we need a on break, we'll go listen to it outside and try to figure out a little, like, verse we'll and chorus. We'll do Cat Scratch Fever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, she goes, she goes, my mom's favorite song of all time is It's a Beautiful Day by U2. <laughs> <laughs> and we go, holy shit, it's a fucking great song, but yeah. how the hell do you do do you just learn that song in five minutes? And we went out on our break and we were all just earnestly standing around the phone going, Oh wait, he changed the singing right there. And then in the chorus, the drums start going So we're all just making all these observations about it. It was it was we hacked our way through it. It wasn't good, but the fact that we attempted it, the audience really liked it, and the the woman whose birthday it was was got was really happy. Even though we we barely got through a verse and a chorus and it just collapsed, but it was still it was still fun and and like again makes you realize you can't replicate a band like that. They're so fucking good, and you know you can't criticize their musicianship. I goof on Adam Clayton all the time, but you know he does that job great though. He does it great. Yeah, they're yeah. unique. They're unique. They're, nothing sounds like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's we, we learned really quick. Like, yeah, you can't just, you know, hop on stage and do a U2 song. You've got to really And that's a great big song, thing. the song you're talking about. Like, you realize when you open up the structure of it how great it is. But, like, when you start breaking apart, you go, oh, my God, how it lifts on its own and how it feels to do the song. And, you know, I'm glad that you did it, Damon. It's cool for you to do that for them. The uh, other thing now that it popped into my head, I told you, you can just talk about U2 all day, but um, like the Beatles, I can't think of another band who had so many different versions of their band. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought of that too. I mean, there's at least four versions of the Beatles in their eight years together. They they literally rewrote their script every two years. And uh, and U2, I think, has four different versions, right? They, They kind of have their early anthemic raw stuff and then they get into their kind of like unforgettable fire then when brian eno shows up yeah it's it gets more ethereal and big it's yeah. like art rock it's more arty i thought yeah for sure yeah. Mm-hmm. and then they went into the electronic stuff and then they did a kind of return to the to the old classic sound but it was now kind of like a blend of everything yeah mm-hmm. after that like with, with it's a beautiful day and Caught in a moment, and you know what else? You just sometimes vertigo. you sometimes you can't get by on your own. What's that one? That one's such a good song, right? Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. such a good song. And you know when they changed styles, they also were still writing great songs within those styles. Yeah. So I right. can't think of another band that ever did, aside from the Beatles, who ever did that. Right. So how do you shit on them? That's what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. how do you shit? Even if you don't like them, as a musician, you have to that they stayed together. They did all that. I think it's fucking jive, dude. It's really he, hard. <laughs> It's fucking. It's a. It's a fucking idiot who an idiot would say that because, or or someone with an agenda because like. By the way, there's a ton of bands that I can fuck. Like I wouldn't say what he said about them about bands I hate. Well, that that was the thing What's that your got problem? at me. That, that bothered me about this too is is every band, just about every band, is the sum of its parts. Where so and so's not a good player, and he's not, and, and he's not that good. And you could say that about Motley Crue or whoever else, but somehow. That's the whole point of it. The, the somehow, all together, it works. Yeah, just fucking, who gives a shit about shredders? Like, right. the point is, what emotion do you make? That's why punk rock is rad, yeah. you know? Like, and it's, reason number 75 with fucking Rollins is a fucking twerp for saying that. <laughs> Coming from what are you saying, dude? You were in from Black what? Flag. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking idiot. God damn it. We started on him anymore, sorry. 
I, I like I, how we're on the show, Ear and Loathing, we're all indignant that people are criticizing, calling out, criticizing. criticizing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's get to tearing down a band. Let's go. Oh, let's go. Here's some <laughs> shitty songs. So to, to sum up, I love the band U2. Yay. <laughs> I love the band U2. <laughs> I've sung and danced my way enough. Okay. See how George is, dude. He knew by when he thought of this, when the germ mm. of this came into his mind, mm-hmm. he knew that it was going to blow my fucking top, yep. which would mean that I would be a lot more talking about it, stretching yes. this moment out for him exactly into an right. hour. Exactly right. right. <laughs> He's very smart, George White. So, George, when you actually conceived of this, did you know, do you feel like you blew Aaron's top enough with, like, you know, <laughs> steam coming out of his ears? <laughs> when you ask yourself the question, can I really annoy the fuck out of Aaron? You tell me. What's your answer? I got my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I have my answer. I have my answer. Of my that was a very awkward walk up. Thank you. You guys, <laughs> stayed you guys, with him the whole time. You guys both like you too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, you're right, George. I mean, come on. Enough fucking around. Yeah. Let's. I'm, we okay. we, we got to get down to business. I'm in a storage closet. Then that's still a fucking lamp. Okay. Well, yeah, come on. Get me. Go ahead. <laughs> if anyone understands that it's time to not fuck around more than anyone, it's George. There's <laughs> a lot of wires in here. <laughs> and no moppy no moppy i'm doing this show from the inversion from the inversion chair thing i'm flipping upside down right now <laughs> that feels great get you a bean bag or something <laughs> all right down you go get down there torture chamber okay i'm not gonna bullshit you okay I don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know. But I'm going to torture you anyway. Suffering. Suffering. Anguish. Anguish. Pain. Torture. All right. Well, I was looking at our previous episode, which dropped today as we record this. Oh, yes, right. And you guys were torturing your pal Damon, and... George went first with Rebecca Black Friday, mm. and Aaron mm. followed that up with Eric Clapton pretending. I guess that means that Aaron has to go first today. Solid logic. Solid. <laughs> yep. Good the reasoning. numbers add up. You want to talk us in here or something? Or? <laughs> well, yes and no, I guess. I mean, I kind of don't want to because it's it's it's... I would say that this is cut from the cloth of, and it feels like and reminds me of Bob, Bob Carlyle. The butterfly kisses, right? Yeah, the butterfly kisses. So the same wild, incredible focus on your child and the particular, the dynamic of father to daughter and how that can turn real weird, real gross, real quick. I do not like where this is going. I do (laughs) not like this. This is following up on that and yet was a pre- a pre-existing property from Bob Carlyle. Bob Carlyle will probably probably went, oh yeah, no, that's this is what made me write the song. <laughs> is my is my suggestion to you. So let's play the beginning of this and you will not know it, I would say. And you'll fill okay. us in. Yep, I've got all the information. But uh, let's listen. Let's listen to the what turned on Bob Carlyle. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Carlyle origin story. That's right. That's right. That's a better way of saying it. <laughs> All right, here we go. (laughs) 
A man in my little girl's life The man in my little girl's life <laughs> okay. okay, stop, stop. All right. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is the men in my little girl's life coming to you from TV funny man, Mike Douglas. <laughs> and this is a 1965. He was a, he was a boy singer before he did this. Boy and, singer. <laughs> and other people have done this song too, by the way. Like in 75, Telly Savalas did a version of it. Um, so you can imagine how that went. And uh, But I think you'll be able to hear... What's going on, George, even though you're not in the room with it? But he sings that refrain, the man in my little girl's life, the man in my little girl's life. And then he's going to start breaking into scenarios very similar to how we were breaking down the fabric softener commercial. <laughs> so keep that in mind. And this is, and let's listen to what Mike Douglas has to say. And then we're going to, we'll do some, uh, We'll do some talking about who wrote it and what the fuck and why. You said he was a boy singer. Why is he singing from a man's perspective? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just saying that he was. I was just saying that that like some people don't know that if they know who Mike Douglas, Mike Douglas, for those of you who don't know, had a had a was had a talk show for uh, all of our age. If you're our age, you remember that Mike Douglas was always long on. running and very popular yeah, show. Maybe the first talk show, daytime talk show. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was Mike, and then it was Murph. Right, right. the men in my little girl's life. You yeah. said life, right, Mark? Okay, yeah. I'm just checking. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like only yesterday, and I can hear my little girl say, Daddy, there's a boy outside. His name is Rod. <laughs> he wants to play in our backyard. <laughs> okay, so George, he's saying... Same seems like Rod. only yesterday. Yeah, seems like only yesterday when I heard my little girl say, "Daddy, there's a boy outside. His name is Rod. He wants to play in our backyard." That's a crazy <laughs> rhyme. <laughs> Can he, Daddy? Can he, Daddy? Oh, please, Daddy. That's that's where we are right now. Oh, jeez. Okay. He should have had the, uh, like one of the Kennedys voice this part. Then it would have rhymed. Era, the man. Your name is uh, a Roderick. Is that your name? Era. <laughs> All right. Kenny, Daddy. Kenny, Daddy. Oh, please, Daddy. Yikes. Was it really so long ago that she'd come to me and she'd want to know, Dad? There's a boy outside. His name is Lee. He wants to carry my books for me. Did he talk this entire song? <laughs> He's going to come back and hit us with that, with that sweet... Man in my little girl's love, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to wind up and throw that one back at you. But it, it, it's, he's doing like a Lundberg for the rest of it, where he's oh. talking about like... First of all, so you can see what he's doing. He's building it up to daddy. Uh, there's a guy named Rod. He wants to play in our backyard. Then the next one is that there's a slightly older, um, yeah. and she wants to carry Lee my books for books. me. Right. Yeah. And so he's going, she's, she's getting older, getting older, getting older. Now, I don't know why the writers of this song, who we'll go over in a bit, uh, the men, they're not men for half the yeah. song. <laughs> there, there's one man, there's one man, and then the rest are little boys. And I don't know that it's as sexually gross is what we drink it with Bob Carlyle, but it's a fucking gross thing. And I think it's maybe the 1965 mentality of like, 
the emotion of it and like a guy, a sensitive guy having a daughter and what that does to you. Yeah, my little girl's growing up. Right. But like, it's a showboaty. But we know where it's going. We know where this is headed. <laughs> this is just going to go to a place that will, that where our deranged minds are going to take it. But still, how could you, how could you not think that? Yeah. And it's like, to that point, it's very strange. The, te- the Telly Savala's version, he does his own thing. Like, first of all, he has this sort of ironic detachment where he doesn't remember the dude's names. Like he's not taking the route that on the rap parts, he's not, he's not using the name. Who could remember those kids? Huh? Am I right? <laughs> he's like doing a, doing crowd work, to, but it's a studio record. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he starts naming, when, when the boy asks to marry him, he starts doing all these like Nico Katsunzakis. Like it must have, they have to be Greek guys or else Telly won't have them. In the house. <laughs> of course. So weird. But like, so I, I was trying to choose between Mike and Telly, but I didn't have any idea about this song until maybe two days ago when, because Josh Pickering just got back from a trip to LA where he saw Damon and uh, Joey and a bunch of other folks out there. And one of the people he saw was the singer in his his band that he was in, Populux, uh, Rob Shapiro. And now Populux was how I met Josh Pickering in like the early 2000s. I went out, we went on the road with Populux and the DG boys to uh, Texas and did a bunch of shows. And so he was hanging out with him and, and telling him about the pod. And Rob was like, oh, dude, here's a song that you got to do. <laughs> Fucking Mike Douglas, the men in my little <laughs> girl's life. And by the way, it's my, I, I'm pretty sure that, that Rob Shapiro has like daughters galore, at least two. So like he's, he knows that this is dumb too. It's not like <laughs> I can say it because I don't have any kids. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird and it's showboaty and it's disgusting to me, frankly. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> now, the, in the lyrics, did they say Rod is in the yard or Rob Rod. is in the yard? Rod. 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 With a it D. wasn't. It wasn't Rob Shapiro. No, <laughs> I guess because that would be harder to rhyme yard. With. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Rod. It's also funny that his name is Rod, by the way, because like it is. I know it's a weird name, and I'm not talking even about that like Rod Dick thing. It's just an odd. Rod. It is. You just don't hear that hear it that much. That's why I said Roderick. You just don't hear Roderick. Rod Stewart. That's what you're <laughs> Rod. Dad, there's a boy in the yard, his name is Rob, and he wants me to give him something called a blow job. <laughs> the man in my little girl's boy. <laughs> it would be funny if it just got progressively horrifying yeah. and then he would just come in with that big refrain. The dongs in my little girl's life. <laughs> it really sounds like that's what it is. I know. Is. That's what. That's where my brain went immediately because, like, okay, yeah. it's it's funny that he's walking her to school and stuff, but when she's sixteen, things are going to start changing, and mm-hmm. then uh, it's not going to be this lighthearted little song anymore. Right. Right. And every man has this agenda with this girl. Right. You know. <laughs> And he's having to reckon with the agenda that he understands as a man. And so he's kind of saying, hey, am I right, guys? Everybody wants to bone our daughters. It's almost like that's, like, that's where Telly's Wait, coming from. I know what you want, little man. <laughs> I'm not even going to learn your name. You put those fucking books down. <laughs> I know what you're angling for. <laughs> and so, so when I hear this song, it's this thing that like what's gotten me hopped up on this show before where it's this. And the 70s were even worse, but like where, where they tarted up as this other thing. And, and it's the poetry of language where like what they're really saying is this down and dirty thing. And that could be a lovely thing. That could be an amazing thing and a, and a clever thing. 
But then other times, it's just not being intellectually honest. It's weird. And then it, and then it rubs me the wrong way because it feels like, ew. It feels, then it's like gross. So when we're thinking, oh, he's talking all, all these men with a sexual agenda from Jump Street for my daughter. I don't know that I needed to hear about that, Mike. <laughs> yeah. And it was written by two broads and a guy. But like, is it, you know, maybe I'm wrong with that impression. But like, how can that not be the impression? Was it written by the cast of Three's Company? <laughs> it feels like... Um, like Oedipus a, has been doing this for years. In, in a Lumberg kind of way, it almost feels like a... Um, you know, like a, a a dad making a speech at a wedding, right? Like that's what, like yeah. a, he'd go through a, a you know, and then she met Rod, which I wasn't sure about, and lucky we got over him, like or you know, whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, like that. I think this the simplest joke to be would be be go just like after like the maybe the maybe the third or fourth guy, you you'd go, <laughs> and and my daughter said, "There's two guys at our front door." <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a girl in the backyard. And the girl's with and Suddenly I became interested again. <laughs> I remember her name. Whoa, there's two guys outside? Mm-hmm. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Put that backpack down! That's all you have to say. There's two guys at our front door. So, <laughs> The Man in My Little Girl's Life, written by Mary Candy, Eddie Dean, and Gloria Shane. Like I said with Kelly, like, apparently it's just the, the refrain, that just saying that same sentence twice is the chorus, because Kelly didn't do this verse. He didn't do it at all. So, like, what did they write? My guess is that Mike's doing the version. Mm. So, um, song was arranged by Big Jerry Fielding. Uh, and for frame of reference, uh, 1965, around this time, also in the top, in the charts, were like... You had the Supremes, you had the Beatles, fucking Yesterday was out around this time. Uh, 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 I think it was Get Off My Cloud was around right around this time in the in the fall of that year. <laughs> Get Off My Daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Are you my right guys, huh? <laughs> like, that's what I feel is that, like, the, 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 the song is just covered with, am I right? Am I right? Am I right or am I right? We all know what they're up to. Here's the weirdest thing to me. The song sucks, too. <laughs> it's it's like, the, it's a creepy kind of like sentiment. And then it's shitty. It's just him talking over bad orchestra. And and to have the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's, it's, sh- it's, it's melody-wise. It's not very pretty. It's dumb. <laughs> you know, I like, Damon, that's, uh, that, that Telly got out the red pen. <laughs> yeah, this like, verse nah, is out. Nah, nah I'm going to make this Greek-centric here. <laughs> and here, I'm just going to... I never remember their names anyway, so I'm going to tell it from the heart. Telly, uh, you've, you've crossed out the third verse and just wrote Greek over it. I don't... What, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm praying that you mean ethnicity, Telly. <laughs> yes. I want to smell the baklava. <laughs> oh god oh my god baklava all right let's hear some more of this fucking thing okay <laughs> here we go kenny daddy is it all right dad he's got freckles dad the man in my little <laughs> it almost here's the other thing that i imagine like he's going off into this like he has to go to this happy place in his mind because <laughs> all he can think about from Rod on is that 
Maybe it's meaningful that the fucking guy's name is Rod. You know what I mean? Like maybe they're having fun and say like, we all know that this is a sexual thing and a father's dumb brain. So like the only thing he can think about to make himself happy, he just goes off to sing that song in his mind. <laughs> he takes another shot of whiskey and just goes, oh, the man. <laughs> Someone pitched Dick or Peter and they went, no, that's too much. <laughs> How about Rod? Bingo. Let's do lunch. <laughs> The man in my little girl's life. <laughs> All right, Mike. Then came ponytails and jeans, and my little girl was in her teens. Uh-oh. Popsy? There's a boy outside. His name is Tom. He wants to take me to the prom. Oh, now it gets jazzy? Yeah. You know, she's calling him Popsy. Yeah. And... I'm guessing so. All right, so uh, let's see. 1965. This comes out. So I'm trying to figure out. Does it start in 1940? Because now she's at the prom. <laughs> I don't. What? What's, well, the, what's the timeline years, here? Yeah, it would what? be. Uh, if it came out in 65, yeah, she would have been like maybe eight years before she was having Rod over. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's the timeline. It starts in the late 40s or something, maybe late or late 50s. <laughs> From Korea all the way up to Nam. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Missed opportunity. He could have had a verse about Kiefer and Reefer. <laughs> Dad, there's a boy outside. His name is Kiefer. Kiefer. He wants to sell me a lunch bag full of Reefer. <laughs> a lunch bag. <laughs> He's got a good price. <laughs> So I said, that's twice as nice. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, okay, the sentiment is gross, the song sucks, and he's bad at doing the voices, too. <laughs> I know, it's weird where he's saying, Tad, can he, daddy? That's part yeah. disturbing. Yeah, he's yeah. putting something in it. He's putting something in it, something in it like mm. doing the, like he's in an improv troupe, and he's like, I got a kid character. Yeah, I got a kid character. Of course I do. Who doesn't? Right. You know what I mean? I'm just going to improv lines about kids, and then the only thing you can think of is he has freckles. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she, yeah, when she gets to the age she is now, he's putting a little sauce in it, a little jivey, and uh, that's the chi 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 music, yeah. right? Yeah. So he's he's he's, he's, he's acting from Mike Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> it just it just makes me think, Damon. You know, from your point of view, I, you would you would say this that freckle does rhyme with schmeckle. <laughs> 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 Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. <laughs> All right, here we go. and treckle. <laughs> okay, Popsy. He's cute, Popsy. We'll be home early, Popsy. Before I knew it, time had flown, and how my little girl had grown. Now it was father. There's a boy outside. His name is Eddie. Eddie? Eddie. Yeah. Okay. Does he rhyme it with ready? <laughs> I think we're ready. He likes to get <laughs> rough and not. ready. <laughs> uh. <laughs> There's a boy outside. His name is Cliff. His <laughs> what? His, His name is Cliff. Cliff. <laughs> it's Rod Dog Cliff. He goes, no, no, no. No, no, don't quit. Beep, 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 beep. No, no. Get, get in the His car. name is Cliff. He has an erection. He doesn't want to use any protection. No. No. He told me he's stiff. <laughs> oh, this fucking man. Th th was this a hit? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, it, there's something Christmassy about this, right? It yeah. feels like a Christmas song or something. It, it sounds is, like, like he's settling down next to the fire to tell you something. So yeah. I think that's the vibe yeah. that you're yeah. picking that up. But you're, you're, you're not wrong. That makes it even stranger. It does. And sit on my lap. Tell me about the men in your life. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know if we can go steady. Yeah. Can we, Father? Yes, Father. Oh, can we borrow the car, Pop? Eddie doesn't have a car. <laughs> hey, bro, can I borrow your car to bang your daughter in the back seat? <laughs> Calls him for dad, bro. Bro. <laughs> hey, bro, let me get the keys, man. Give me the keys. Because you know, this. you know, I wanna, and he just does the you know finger and whole thing, you know. <laughs> Promise just finger stuff. And by the way, Tom, she went to prom with Tom, so assume she's 17, 18 then. And Damon's right. So this fucking Eddie doesn't have a car. He's like 22 or, right? right? I mean, and he's got to be, be late teens, yeah. We've got to, you know, at least push forward a little. She, he needs to be jumping four or five years in each one of these <laughs> scenarios. So, And this is really only like the first or second batch of teenagers. Like prior to like that, you were just an adult at the factory already. So like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is when people got married when they were 21 years old and had children. Yeah, this guy's lucky he's not in country right now. In 65, he should have been. Oh, yeah, 21 you know. years old. You're married. I mean, our parents were all, yeah. 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 And if not, you were in fucking in country, in Da Nang. Yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> all right. There okay. we go. This parade of men continues. <laughs> yes, it seems like only yesterday. I heard my lovely daughter say, Dad, there's a boy outside. His name is Jim. He asked me if I'd marry him. Slow it down. Slow it down. Oh, you did already, Mike? Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Jim? (laughs) Jim and him. (laughs) Marry him. I said, yes, Dad. Got something in your eye, Dad? I love him, Dad. The man in my little girl's life. The man in my little girl's life. A child, an adolescent, a young lady, a wife. And oh yes, there's another man in my little girl's life. Husband number two. Yeah. What happened to Rod, you whore? <laughs> Backdoor man. Clint Jim. This is fucking Jim. What about Tom and Rod and all the others? Every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes by, apparently you bring him the door. <laughs> Have you met my daughter, the harlot? Got <laughs> some potato salad. <laughs> all right. Hi, Dad. There's a boy outside. His name is Tim. I told him Grandpa was going to babysit with him. No, Tim? fuck you. You said Jim and him and Tim and him. <laughs> yeah, Come on, I know. Come on, do better than... There's a million names that rhyme with something else. There were three <laughs> people writing this song, and they all just decided that was a good idea. <laughs> do the Jim him again. <laughs> do him again. That's not... No. <laughs> No. That's like almost a scenario a writer. You couldn't come up with an individual thing? Right, right. yeah. Assholes. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Bless you, Dad. 
bless you. Good night, Dad. That's supposed to intimate that he's dying? Yeah, what did he say at the last one? He's saying, thanks, Dad, like, because he said, Grandpa, you're going to babysit my kid? Yeah, going to go Dad. off and find, to go out and meet Cliff at the at the thirsty, rusty scupper. <laughs> rusty scupper. I, I told rusty him, Grandpa. Scupper and Eagle Rock. <laughs> Grandpa was going to babysit him. Thanks, Dad. Bless you, Dad. Right. Night, I guess Dad. he sneezed or something, or? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the bless you? Like, when, when someone does you a favor... Do you have to follow it with bless you, or can you just say thanks? <laughs> I don't know. She hasn't brought the Lord into it before this. So it's, it's an odd addition. Yeah. And then what was the third one she said? Good night, Dad. But he said it very somber. Oh. Uh, like, why would you say that if you're coming back later? Like, may, I think that he's it's the big sleep, maybe. <laughs> Dad, there's a boy outside your hospital room. His name is Dr. Kevorkian. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, his name is Jack? <laughs> 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 the man in my girl's life. She's dating Jack of Orchid. It's nice because we get a rate. <laughs> and then a, a girl comes in singing. Then the man in my father's death. <laughs> oh shit! It writes itself. The man in my father's. <laughs> The asshole. <laughs> Mike Douglas. <laughs> it fills me with that same rage. It's like, what? What is this? What are you doing? Uh, and the picture that goes along with it, which is just kind of like a like a promo shot of Mike. Yeah. Let me take a picture and send it to George. Um, it's it's just like this. Kind of, I already know what it is. I guarantee you, <laughs> it's this, this kind of wistful look that he's he's looking off in the distance. And I guess he's fucking Bob's big boy hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sort of famously, there is that style of photography where it's like somebody at around like four o'clock on your watch goes, "Hey, Mike," and he looks right over to four o'clock <laughs> wistfully, never down the barrel of the gun. That's the face of a father who's just hoping that his daughter keeps her legs closed for one more weekend. Grandpa, you couldn't keep your fucking legs closed? I'm, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I'm a grandpa. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, God. It kills me. All right. This is almost over. Does he? What else does he do? She no, just said good night, right? Yeah. He's off to the big sleep. All right. <laughs> Ew, he's so sweaty. I thought it would be a different... <laughs> Well, he's been up all night waiting, you know. Yeah, yeah for this <laughs> he's getting into the bus. wild turkey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the gun in my cabinet <laughs> is locked. <laughs> oh God, damn it! So, Mike Douglas, dude, are Mike we done? Douglas, yeah, I'm done. I know they can't do Mike anymore. <laughs> Uh, so Mike Douglas there for you, Georgie. Enjoy. Thanks. Yeah. That was great. Really. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fucking perv. All right, Damon, what do you got? <laughs> okay, what do I have here? It's a good question. This comes from a department that I'm just inventing right now on the spot. Okay. The department is getting in on the grift department. All right? Okay, yeah. From 2019, and let's not forget as we record this episode that Monday is a special holiday. It is Memorial Day when we mm-hmm. contemplate our brothers and sisters in the armed forces. Amen. You know, speaking of having two thoughts in your head at the same time, 
look, assholes, I love the fucking troops. I hate this jingoistic fucking bullshit that these, these to take. Yeah. country morons put out. So here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's, let's just get this one started. All right. Let's see how this goes. And while, while I started, I'm going to send you guys some materials to enhance your experience. Here we go. <laughs> Stop right there when you see those boots and a uniform coming your way. Get off your cell phone and look them in the eye and drop that old briefcase. <laughs> so just throw everything out into the street because yeah. <laughs> I want a men and women of our service to come by. <laughs> what is a cell phone and a briefcase? What's yeah. that? <laughs> cell phone is your briefcase. <laughs> wing it out into the street discard everything like go home and, and tear up your, your the, the deed to your house and whatever you're doing is not as good as what he did throw your keys out into traffic hey <laughs> <laughs> your coins just for a little context the name of the song is stop when you see a uniform <laughs> what that's dumb like there's no hook to like when, when you say that like speaking of that i'm glad you said that and when we're we're, we're gonna come up to it in a bit but what we're what we're approaching is a hookless chorus <laughs> that's the best kind weird like it's a strange thing to say like stop when yeah the, ter- the term what? stop when you when you see a uniform is his hook and uh and it doesn't make any but sense that's a thing people say yeah people don't say that right i guess you're everyone's just supposed to freeze like like freeze tag or something yeah i'm sure that like none of us served but like i'm pretty sure that what they don't want is to be pointed at and like made a big fuss over like treat him with respect but like what are you doing punch <laughs> yourself in the face because <laughs> yeah, you didn't do it because you're a fucking coward <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll, we'll carry on a little bit here i sent you guys the lyrics by the way if you yeah. actually you know what i'm gonna do i'm also gonna send you our pal a picture of our pal just so you can fully enjoy him there we go if you want to see what a hero looks like, this might be your chance. Before you go back home to your safe little world, y'all, don't you understand? Now he's lecturing you about your life. <laughs> it's fully just judging you. Is this Billy Ballcap's brother? <laughs> I like that he puts y'all in there so that, so he can, because otherwise it sounds like he's uptown and preaching to you, but he throws yeah. y'all to let you know. I'm not being preachy. I'm telling you, like, what we already know. I'm just a simple farm boy who wants to get right. you city slickers set right about our troops. Right. But because I've said three sentences that are declarative, I don't want to sound like a fucking uh, New York City prick. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm back it off with a y'all. <laughs> Tenderize that meat with a few y'alls. <laughs> I think we're rolling into the into the so-called chorus at this point. George, have you ever heard you have any knowledge of this song at all? Zero. No. <laughs> he looks like Billy Ballcat. Yeah. I know. Twice, yeah. Look he at that beard. Like the beard is the same. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't think there's a picture of this guy without a cap, so I'm I'm assuming he's got some kind of chromus <laughs> thing going on up top. Chromus chromus domus. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. These are the men and women that keep us living safe inside our homes. And if you took one minute, your head would be spinning to see the things that they know. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. 
<sighs> that's just bad. That's a bad. It's lazy writing. Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Then that that that, just... that melody is very. Very new country. It sounds like everything else. Like it sounds like every other chorus. Yeah. And you're feeling that effect that's on his voice now. I don't know if it's like a subtle doubling or something. There's nothing wrong with that. It's totally auto tune. Yeah, Mm. that's showing up right there. Fun, fun, fun. (laughs) (laughs) This guy wishes. This guy wishes he was doing a Rebecca Black. I know. Here we go. So stop what you're doing, walk up to him, and tell him how much it means. It's, just, it's the luxury thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm being yeah. lectured to by a fucking hillbilly <laughs> about how to behave. Like, I don't know, man. I, I think we all celebrate the troops. I don't, I'm not going to, you know, drop to my knees and blow a, a guy because he's in a uniform, as you apparently want me to do. <laughs> stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop driving that bus. <laughs> Like, the world won't work if we do what he's saying. What if, what if the guy was in a uniform at your front door, Mike Douglas? Would then you ask your daughter to blow him? <laughs> Lieutenant Cliff! <laughs> Lieutenant Rick, I said, get down on your knees and suck his dick. <laughs> All right, here comes the, uh, the hook, by the way. That every night you drift off to sleep all across the planet making sure you're free stop when you see a uniform what's he doing with the melody what is it what he's just (laughs) rambling on and on oh my god the the chorus was the thing he just did with the auto-tuning that's the chorus that's the chorus isn't it Right, but the the name of the song is "Stop When You See Uniform." And when he says that line, it sounds like he like kind of glances over his shoulder and goes, "Yeah, I'll fix that." You know, it, it's it's unfinished. It doesn't seem like it's a real no line. No, much <laughs> like his beard, it doesn't seem like it's a real beard. Oh, good. I'm glad you said that. L- let's talk about this guy for a second. Um, as I said, 2019. His name's Buddy Brown, which I believe is a manufactured name. I have no proof of that other than this guy is entire existence is manufactured um like like the beard like you said aaron the the big fake white teeth um (laughs) he has this story where he says there's a lot of like videos about how he um he's got a lot of followers on on like youtube and stuff but it's just a bunch of you know other dumb hillbillies but he he has uh, his his main storyline is how i made it without nashville which Mm. translated means nobody in nashville wanted to sign me (laughs) So I had to kind of concoct this story where I'm just a good old boy and uh, I'm, I'm doing things my way. I'm independent. And let me say this for the record. Um, Aaron Shaw's a pal of the show. And knowing it was uh, Memorial Day coming up, he sent me a song. I'm not going to name the song, nor am I going to name the artist. Because I went, this song fucking sucks. This is a different song, not the one we're doing right now. I go, this song fucking sucks. I got to go look into this guy. Guess what? It was just this kind of dopey singer from oklahoma who had this you know cheesy patriotic song and it was cringy and i and I, but he was just he was just a guy who was tasting a little tiny bit of success because his song kind of made it onto the bluegrass charts and i was looking oh maybe he's maga maybe he's got some you know some weird like QAnon shit going on or something nope he just seemed like a nice guy who was happy that he was kind of having a hit i i texted aaron shows back and i said man i can't do it <laughs> i can't punch down on this guy he's 
Just a musician who's trying to make his way in life. Then I looked right. into this guy. His name is Buddy Brown. He is full-on fucking conservative Democrats or shitheads and stuff. Let me let me tell you some of his other song names, just so you get the, the full context of this guy. Is the album called Democrats or Shitheads? <laughs> <laughs> Um, what he does is he responds to like little little controversies in the news that are manufactured controversies, by the way, manufactured by conservative media, which is like one of his songs is called Be Less White, because <laughs> there was some sort of diversity training that Coke was doing, Coca-Cola was doing. And then somehow someone leaked one of the slides of this diversity training. And it's and they didn't say be less white, but they were kind of implying, like, think about how other people are thinking and kind of be less yourself. And, but I'm not defending it. I think a lot of this woke shit is bullshit, too. But so this guy writes songs in response to stuff like that. Um, he has a song called How Trespassers Die. Right. Have a gun in your house. OK. A line from that was your life was over as soon as you stepped foot on my land. Yeah. <laughs> His takeaway from the DeMar Hamlin, because he did a video about that, DeMar Hamlin, Buffalo Bill, who yeah, went yeah. into cardiac arrest on the yeah. on the field, that the NFL is hypocritical because it was the only time that a team was allowed to pray when the Bills were praying on the field. <laughs> that was his takeaway from that. Nice. So he just, he leaps into any so-called controversy with his bullshit Fox News, Tucker Carlson take on things. Right. And so right. I'm going to I'm going to play you a little clip of one of his songs called He's the president now baby he don't even know his name. What does that mean? I don't understand you, that. You're going to see. But oh, it all, Biden's also, asleep in a dummy. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Right, yeah. So listen listen to this cuz I know I'm getting off topic of the original song but I, I need you to know the full context of this guy and why he deserves our scorn. Here we go. You, you not only get the joy of the song, but you also get him introducing the video in his chuckly hillbilly voice. Here we go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to one of the fastest growing conservative channels on all of YouTube. We got some magic here. That magic is every time you hit like on one of these videos, a communist cries and wets his pants. We got Joe Biden's britches to prove it. I hope everybody's doing well. I'm sorry if closed captioning don't work on these videos. Siri don't understand a single word that's coming out of my Mississippi mouth. Did a little rewrite for Alan Jackson. Here we go. He was sitting in the Vatican in his brand new suit. Stood up to meet the Pope and all of a sudden he went poop. They ran out all right, of cameras. All right. Stop it. All right. <laughs> Now, I looked into that because I'm, I was assuming that he was referring to some sort of thing that was in the news. And it's a fake meme about the Pope kind of wouldn't allow cameras inside the Vatican while he was meeting with Biden. And so some dipshit, pardon the pun, conservative dipshit said, oh, it must be because uh, Biden shit his pants. Out of the blue, that was made up. This guy writes a song about it. This is the level of fucking intelligence and creativity and, and, and cleverness we're dealing but with. But even all the stuff he said about my Mississippi mouth, I'm just, uh, the theory can't even understand me. And he, and if you really know Southern people, that's not a thick accent he has at all. <laughs> right. You understood him. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's people you really can't understand in the South. You know, they have very thick accents, but... But and and and, he, and all he does is pick and it's shtick. Any controversy, he oh everyone will want to talk about this and and his his fucking carny you know hit that like button and a communist will shit his pants or whatever 
Everything's about pants shitting, and it's all <laughs> he's hitting all the right things, you know. Yeah, this like, guy's all fucking wrapped up in poo humor. Yeah, he's all hitting all the humor of the people that they're gonna like his thing. Which I mean, in some ways, it's savvy, I guess. But I mean, I don't know. But it seems so cliche. Right. Of think of a better character and a different name, and I don't, I don't know. It's savvy on the level of just those conservative grifters. That's all they like. Right. He's doing what they do, like that. All, right. all those, all those people who realize that Nancy Pirro and all those weirdos who just like realize that unless they get hysterical, they won't have their their phony right. baloney career. Like Shit. you know, he's, they don't believe that shit because it's just like no. there's no money in being sedate and just saying what's going on. Well, we know they don't all believe it because someone just won a six hundred yeah. billion dollar lawsuit against <laughs> them because they on their text they're going, Jesus, Trump is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this is garbage what we're doing. <laughs> but hey, you know. It doesn't bother old Billy Ballcap Deuce, does it? Yeah. The, the fucking no, no, poo freak he, that he, he is. Total shit. my miss Siri don't understand me. <laughs> Shut up, dude. Here's another one of his songs, by the way. All my exes changed their sexes. Ha, see. Well, yeah, but he said a everyone's ago, trans like, now. Well, wait Jesus a minute. A minute ago, Christ. the thing he did, he said something about Alan Jackson. Was that an Alan Jackson song he was doing with new lyrics? Yeah. That's how clever okay. he is. I don't know enough about Alan Jackson, except, uh, you know, yeah. I, uh, uh, he's gone country. That's all I know about him. And, yeah. <laughs> and so this one. So the one you just said, he's rewriting a George Strait song, right? All My Exes Live in Texas. He's like a non-funny Weird Al. <laughs> Country Weird Al. Weird Buddy. Yeah. Boring Buddy. He's like a Dr. Demento, funny Southern. Like, Wasn't there a guy? I think there was a guy who was like, Ray, was it Ray? Ray uh, Stevens, Stevens used to yeah. do this. Me, uh, yeah. uh, Would Jesus wear a Rolex? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. dropkick me Super Jesus tired. to the goalposts to life. And yeah, all those. He, yeah, Ray Stevens. Far less disgusting than what this guy's doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of. I mean, for the time, you know, I don't like Ray Stevens or can't tell you much about him, but I'm guessing it was perceived as funny, at least. Right. Where this isn't, it's mean funny. He's trying to be mean and funny. Yeah. It's right. not, yeah. Right. The, the cruelty is the point with these guys. Yeah, right, of this thing. So it's but just him pretending like he's just a I'm just a good old boy yeah, raising he's a liar. it. And, and a lot of people do this. It's not like an interesting or new shtick. Like I'll jump in and I'll, you know, take the opposing viewpoint and make it outrageous. <laughs> it's it's low-hanging fruit though. I mean, this it is. is all it this totally is, is yeah. totally pandering a lowest common denominator kind of mentality that we have in this country and and like I said, this guy is just in on the grift. He probably just went, well, I, I can't be a real country right. star in Nashville. So so he just looked around and went, oh, if I just write a bunch of songs about Biden and, and shooting yeah. people on my property, then I'll, at least I'll pull in some of those hillbilly bucks. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I'll tell you something else. I'm going to go as far to say that like, that even, even Jackal, like... I'm going to partner with a rapper. I'm going to partner with Run DMC and make a song and is more and more original and, and cover the way they covered that song and changed the lyrics. It's more original than this is. That's a, that's a more original idea than this one is. Well, the right. Jackal's taking more chances than this right. guy's taking. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> right. I have a question though. So is this? So I'm confused about what this fucking guy's doing. So is is this an original song or is this a rewrite of a? A parody, if you, I guess, of an Alan Jackson or some other. Is this an original song? This Stop song? in the name of uniforms? Yeah, is that a yeah. new... 
Well, I'm serious. It's a legitimate question. All the ones you played it for seven. Your, your been... question was right. Damon was funny. I don't. I mean, he's singing about. And another thing is, he's singing about Biden crapping his pants, right? But you must admit that it's odd. Okay, so I'm supposed to respect anyone in a uniform, anyone yeah. at all. But it's really funny if we don't respect the office of the president and we write songs about him shitting his pants. That's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's fine. But anyone exactly. in a uniform, just anybody, the guy can not, not everyone in the military is in the infantry, okay? You know, it's <laughs> right. someone who's a purchasing order guy for the Air Force. Does he feel the same way about like like the uh, Pakistani infantry? Right, that's what I'm. Would yeah. he would he throw his cell phone out in the street if if a brother or sister who serves in the Pakistani army came by? Would he be excited about that? He just respects uniforms. Well, I mean, but wouldn't you respect the office of the president? Wouldn't you? That would be the most. He's the commander in chief. He's the commander of all these guys, whether right. you like it or not. Right. Right. No, that's that was a point for many many years. Repeat that used to be right. like the you know. Hey, look, he's the president. Right. right. He won, yeah. so, okay, we have to respect it. Right, we have to respect the office. Respect the office, if nothing else, because your guy's going to be there next, and you probably right. like some respect, so just fucking respect it. Shut the fuck up. But that's stupid. That's a flaw in his thing right there. Mm-hmm. Well, George, <laughs> you're pointing out the hypocrisy of the right, yeah. and that it's, you know, all you need to do is look at or listen to anything they say or do, and that's exactly what you get all the time, across the board. Hypocrisy. See, that's what I'm saying. He, if it really was, he was doing something original. He'd he'd write a, res- a song called "Respect the Office." Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that, yeah, that would be something. That would be right. something. That would be something he could do. And, and go, by Look, the way, man. he probably yeah, Georgie. That's a beautiful idea because he yeah. probably gets some respect. He would. And what's so funny about all those people is that what they are is they're fucking jealous. Like Trump. In his deepest moments of, of he was ever being truthful, he wanted to be as loved as uh, by the celebrity life in Hollywood and Los Angeles as Obama was effortlessly. Mm-hmm. It made him so angry that he wasn't liked in that way. And that's the right. only yeah. thing he cares about. You know? True. God, Let's hear some more of this thing and get it over <laughs> with. Okay. <laughs> yeah, could you put it on twice the speed? <laughs> Before I play that, I I wanted to say the mentality behind this, which we were just talking about, is kind of encapsulated by one of the great orators of our time, Mr. George Carlin. This is a clip from one of his books, and he's talking about, in this one little essay he wrote, he's talking about the differences between living in New York, which is where he's from, and California, where he ended up living for most of his life. And he's kind of going through the different regions of, of the U.S. where he was thinking about living. And so this is just his little clip. And there's a, a phrase from this that has stuck with me ever since I read it. <laughs> and it just it so perfectly sums up these guys. Here we go. Of course, living in the South was never an option. The main problem being they have too much respect for authority. They're soldier sniffers and cop lovers. <laughs> <laughs> soldier sniffers is one of my favorite <laughs> phrases of all time. <laughs> soldier sniffers. <laughs> You know, I don't, I think Aaron said it, like, do soldiers want to be fucking treated like this? I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I would also think that there's there's probably, I don't know what the percentage is, I'm not going to pretend to know, but there's got to be plenty of Democrat soldiers out there, right? Yes. Yeah, you be cool These guys them. seem to think that, like, every guy in the military is like some right-wing Rush Limbaugh character or something. You know who's in the military? Lee Harvey Oswald! <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know who you just walked past with your headphones in today? 
<laughs> so you're supposed to like rip the headphones out of your ears when you see a guy from the Air Force? Like, I don't get what this guy's angle is. All right, here we go. You're all concerned with your own little world just outside the terminal gate. Wow, that's a big leap story-wise here because you can't think of a rhyme. <laughs> I mean, right? That's what it is, right? You know when you're in a terminal and you see military? <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. All right. Can I go? You're walking through the walking through the airport with your, you know, with your cell phone on and your headphones in. Oh, so you mean everyone ever at an airport? <laughs> And what about the times when, like, you, you land late and you have this really short layover and you have to run across the entire, like, Chicago airport to catch your flight? But if you see a guy in his uniform, you have to stop and just miss your plane. <laughs> or prevent him from making his flight because you're fucking bothering him with hello, hi, how are you? And he's just trying to make a flight. Yeah, he's trying to make a flight, too. <laughs> Can I go? Weirdo. Fuck. Uh, sir, could you get off my headphones, please? <laughs> I, you, you stepped on them when I threw them down in front of you. <laughs> Hi-ya! <laughs> All right, come on. They're coming home from a whole nother world that we know nothing about. So the lead- You know nothing about it. Pick up a book. <laughs> it's not that challenging to find out about the Middle East. <laughs> you know nothing about it. Uh-uh. And, you know, this also kind of presumes that, like, people who sign up for the military don't realize they might have to get stationed overseas or something. <laughs> like, yeah, they know that going in, dumb it's shit. It's part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's part of the deal when you sign up. I mean, if I ever joined the military, I'm too much of a pussy. But if I had, I would have kind of known, like, yeah, I'm not going to just sit at, like, what, is it, what did Aaron say that you do when you go to Vietnam? You just play volleyball with supermodels or something? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, in Milan. <laughs> Oh yeah, Obviously. Milan, right? <laughs> it's like you can't you can't join up you can't uh, join the post office if you're afraid of paper. You know that's part of it. You got to do it. <laughs> anyway, here we go. There's a standing ovation. It's time to hear a shout. <laughs> Jesus standing Christ. ovation. He's just trying to make a flight. He's going to Barstow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Troop. <laughs> All right. Thanks. These are the men and women that keep us living safe inside our homes. And if you took one minute, your head would be spinning to see the things that they know. So stop what you're doing, walk up to him, and tell him how much it means. That every night, you drift off to sleep. They're all across the planet. Making sure you're free. Stop when you see a uniform. <laughs> it doesn't resolve Christ. properly. It has to resolve <laughs> earlier than that. Yeah. And this this whole notion of like we're free because a guy got sent to Korea or something, like <laughs> these guys are perfectly fine by the way, if d- domestically we take away a bunch of people's freedoms. Sure. You know, whether it's the right to abortion or uh trans rights or whatever, they're they're a okay with that. But somehow, like, my so-called freedom is is because is, uh, I, I sleep peacefully at night because my freedom is in danger. I, I don't understand that mentality at all. Mm-hmm. You know, McCartney yeah. did that stupid fucking song after 9-11 called Freedom. Right. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's some righteousness in his in his heart doing that. And, uh, you know. But, Who, like, McCartney? People get caught up. Yeah, people get caught up in those kinds of moments. 9-11 was f- fucking horrific. We all remember that. 
all it is was like a terrorist attack that worked better than any of the other ones in the past, right? And right, like right. while they were knocking down buildings, they weren't also like taking away the constitution and everything. There's no the freedoms aren't in any danger. I don't that I don't get that, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're apparently in more danger from from the right taking them away from yeah. people who are just trying to live live their life. Like they're the only rights that are being taken away are you, guy. Yeah, but I want to call you what I want to call you. How right. come I can't? Yeah, I want to reiterate because people get their fucking underwear in a twist. I can have two thoughts in my brain at the same time. I can respect and admire and appreciate the troops. By the way, you motherfuckers don't take care of those guys after they come back either, by the way. Veterans have the worst fucking health care and everything. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If you t- if you taxed more billionaires, you-, you could get more money to take care of the fucking veterans, you idiots. Yeah, how, bad, how much do you love them? I don't buy this, this <laughs> jingoistic fucking bullshit mentality that these guys right. have. The soldier sniffing these guys do. <laughs> I just get so I get mad because they're they're operating from just a place of utter ignorance. It's the most shallow level of thinking. Yeah, I mean it's it's shallow. I think more than ignorance because I think that they're smart enough to know they're operating and they're just operating in a shallow level. You know, Ugh. right? And so I, I don't know what you would call it, but there's just zero morals involved with that either. You no, know? It's just sort no. of like I'm going to get mine and I'm going to rip yeah. off a bunch of people while I do it. Yeah, and just and just lie. Uh, emotionally lie and otherwise. So this guy's this guy's full of it. Like check his papers. Something's going on with him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you. He's. Com- if you look at his Wikipedia page, it's it's obviously written by him or his manager or something. It's all his whole Wikipedia page is is very surface. Like I don't. I'm not buying his story that he's got. He's from Mississippi or whatever he said. Like I said, he's he's a guy who failed in Nashville and then created this this story about himself with his big trimmed, you know, dyed beard, his big dumb white teeth. And 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 then his whole Wikipedia page is about how many followers he has on social media. When have you read anything about the Rolling Stones or or you know Gordon Lightfoot or whoever about how many followers they have on on fucking YouTube? This you know this guy's he's writing his own bullshit story. And uh, Buddy Brown, I or what is it, what did I say his name is Buddy Brown? Yeah, I, I don't even think that's his real name. I can't prove that. I didn't look into it. I didn't research it, but I, I promise you that's it's, it's a fake name. Well, it's showbiz. He can do whatever they want, but yeah. like it's disingenuous. You know, I just don't buy it. I, buy, I think that he's operating just like all those fucking punks over there at the, in Fox Life. So I think he might just do the stupid chorus again, which I don't want to listen to. So I think we're done. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Great. I'm thr- thrilled. Fuck. <laughs> Some garbage. Some garbage music. So George has... Two two gems to choose from. We've got Mike Douglas and Stay Away from My Daughter's Vagina. <laughs> Do me a solid. Stop coming into my yard, guys. And Buddy Butthole Ball Cap. And his, you know, everyone blow the troops. Everyone sniff a uniform. <laughs> uh, yeah, these are, uh, these are both uh, really... It's, it's tough to decide these because they're both uh, they're both awful in their own way. Um, I come down uh, I come down with Damon with this uh, with this country song, and it's because I guess the message of it doesn't bother me all that much. I, I just it's it's lazy and it's sticky, and like Aaron said, it's disingenuous, and you can see it and feel it. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you can really. It's just if this was better written, or it just seemed like he threw this together. Like it just seems thrown together for uh, it reminds me of a carney, a barker or something. Yeah. It just it doesn't <laughs> there's nothing good about it. There's nothing it's like, oh well it could have been this or a song about someone shitting their pants. 
<laughs> as long as I get more likes, hit that like button because the communist will shit his pants. What communists are, what do you mean, Chinese? What do you mean? What is this, 1984? <laughs> no one's watching this. I don't, <laughs> I mean, no but, and, but in the Mike Douglas song, the only thing I can really take out of it that, that isn't, because uh, it's a super disturbing and, and funnier song than this, but it's, but I don't think, I think they put it together with a good, you know, they thought they were doing something good at the time. They thought, oh, this is a Like good. a wistful father. And the Tim and Jim thing's bothering me. I'll tell you. It's lazy also. It bothers, that part of the craft bothers me. I'm still, that's still sticking in my craw. But it's, it's, that's only one lazy example. That there's a thousand in this butt fuck song. And it really bothers me, as you can tell, of his... Just, and there's no core. There's there's a, it's just all parts that are all. There's no craft to this. Yeah, it's garbage. Throw it together, and I'll get more likes. So Damon with the win. Damon with the win. Yeah. Buddy's a loser, but you know who's a winner. Phil, 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 Phil. Beard, 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 beard. Fake beard, fake beard, fake beard. <laughs> poop pants, White poop teeth. pants. <laughs> so into poop, dude. You can't get enough poo, this guy. Talking about the commies shitting, the fucking Biden pooing. Everyone's pooing with him, dude. Take it easy, guy. <laughs> when he said the thing about, like, and then the commies are going to wet their pants, we have evidence of Biden doing it. <laughs> it is a fake laugh at a stupid joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask Biden. He knows he pisses his pants every day. <laughs> <laughs> freak, dude. Shut up. He's into some different shit. Yeah, that guy's a prick. All right, so there you go. That was a horrifying session, as usual. It was. That really was tough. Fuck, those both were really bad. Good choices, fellas. <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than um, <laughs> we're getting really good at yeah. this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a middle period where I was sort of like, I think we're all out of torture songs. <laughs> yeah. There's just none left in the entire yeah. world. Well, better call it a day. And then suddenly we just re this this huge resurgence mm -hmm. with with so many bad songs from all of us. I love it. It's our octung baby. <laughs> <laughs> we reinvented ourselves again. That's right. That's right. We reinvented a shittier version, a meaner, shittier version of ourselves. <laughs> uh, all right. So I guess we're gonna have to have some Majel um, stepping in here to make everything feel better. Sorbet. Cleansing. <sighs> yeah, she's short and to the point, and also right. it's like cleansing your bowels like what Biden did at the Vatican. <laughs> right, yeah. According to um, Bobby Ballcap Butthead. <laughs> you might use to call the thing Shit Your Pants at the Vatican. That's a funny song. <laughs> yeah, grow, grow a pair, Billy. Yeah. Just, yeah. just why beat around the bush? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> What you got, George? Well, I, uh, you know, just play it. We need this, and this is a jam, and I'll talk about it afterwards, and let's fucking hear this thing, and I think you'll know it right away. All right. Shit. <laughs> oh, I love this song so much. 
What year is this? This is 1980, and this is burn rubber on me. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know it's a uh, it's there was an interview with uh, Dave Grohl and uh, Pharrell, and he and Pharrell was like sort of sucking his dick like as a drummer, like everybody does with Dave because Dave's fucking amazing. And he's like, "Don't say that, bro." I, he goes, <laughs> "Dave Grohl's like, all I did was rip off the fucking Gap band." He goes, "Pay attention to a lot of the stuff I did in Nirvana." Back, back. Yeah, back, beginning back. of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, like, yeah, yeah. he's like, I, I wanted it big and huge and simple and, and, and you know, rocking, but like it came from a funky place, which is exactly which right. Was, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to say. Yes, exactly. Sorry, that's, sorry. That's okay, to step on your I'm point. glad you said it. It's because uh, I was going to say it that right then, like that when I when I heard that a long time ago, I was like, huh, sounds a bit like the Gap Band, and it does. It's totally the fucking guy. I thought I was wrong. <laughs> It's a hook. It's fucking rad. And like it, it's, you know, when drummers get real clever, sometimes it's a little hard to like fuck around with them. But this was a different era of, of, of R&B, you know, with a, as a band, you know. Yeah. I love these guys. So 1980, um, you know, more like peaked in 81, but like uh, 84 on the, you know, regular pop charts. But of course, number one on the R&B charts. And, uh, you know, they had had some other stuff before this. You know, but this was really one of the ones that really started them on. Because for for me, what I love about this song or in a few of the others, like, and by the way, I'd forgotten that early in the morning is the is the is what happens after this. After she burns rubber on you, then you got to get up early in the morning and find you another lover. Yeah. <laughs> it's the rest of the, the story. The grooves are not dissimilar. Like, no, no, it's meant that way. They wrote it that way. Party trains in there. Drop the bomb the on thing. me. Yep, Those are the yep. ones. Like, and the, the thing I want to tell you guys that I love so much about this song is that it has some of the greatest lyrics ever. The one part of it that I'll, we'll talk about later after we hear it. But um, with the... In, in the mid-80s and all the way through the 80s, my friends and I, like when things were going to happen, when, when things were ready to go to the next level, to when we were when the party was going to go the next jump up, it was always the Gap Band. It was always one of those songs we just mentioned. And it was this one a lot. Like we were walking in, I remember distinctly, like, and it sounds like a, um, like we're in an 80s movie, but we're living in an 80s movie. When we walked out to the pool at Palm Springs, spring break 1986, to let everyone know that we were coming, the party was starting, giant boombox on our shoulder, this song was on. <laughs> You're forcing the rage. You're going to yeah. rage harder. I'm going to let you guys know that the guys are here now and the, and the fucking round's over. Because Gap Band. <laughs> So that's why, okay? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of scenarios where some dickhead with a giant boombox walks out and he starts playing, like, some metal or something and thinking, right. thinking he's cool. But if someone came out, even if I didn't know the guy and he, and he was playing this song, I'd be yeah. like, okay, this guy's good. I'm, I want in. He's got a point of view. Yeah, yeah we were like, and, and you'd think, we liked metal and all that, but when it was really time to let everybody know or this is going to be the best part of the party, it was always Gap Band. Always. And the yep. chicks are going to fucking love it. Yeah. 201. 201. Yeah, right. And they did. Some Everyone chick just like, just like lost her aunt or something and like she'd be crying and all of a sudden you come in with this. She's like, but fuck it tonight! <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. So let's hear, let's hear a little more of the of burned rubber on me. All right. Well, 
what year did did the Gap Band start? Do you know? Yeah, like in the in the late seventies, and they're from um, and they're from I didn't know that I'd never heard this, which was it, so they're from Tulsa, which I knew that. But so it's all it's three brothers: Charlie, Ronnie, Robert. Ronnie, and Robert are, are dead now, and Charlie's a a god like among like everybody. Like he's in every Hall of Fame, and even up to this, uh, even up to now, like Snoop Dogg and Justin Timberlake and Dave Grohl, everyone loves him, and Charlie's still alive, and he was the middle brother. But what I didn't know is so. I always thought Gap Band was just a cool name, but so in Tulsa, the uh, Greenwood section of Tulsa is where they're from, and so it's Greenwood, Archer, and Pine. Those are the three main main streets in the Greenwood district of Tulsa, and that's Gap, G-A-P, Greenwood, Archer, Pine. That's why they're called the Gap Band. And all these years, I did not know that. I just thought it was a cool name. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. The song, it's... uh... Not the singing, but the song sounds like what Prince was doing. Yeah, back and that's then. about that same time. Yeah, it seems like a lot. And he'd be singing this in a falsetto, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, but the groove is very what Prince was doing on his first couple albums for sure. It's such a funky thing, man. So funky. It's so funky. Yeah, and the producer when they hooked up with Lonnie Simmons, that's when and he wrote he wrote this song with them or with the uh, with uh, Charlie and another guy that was in the act and there was a lot of guys in the act but basically it was the three brothers driving everything most particularly Charlie but yeah they had a, a fair amount of, of records out before this one and this was the one that really this is when it really started to happen for them so anyway great song let's hear a little more of it alright It's real drums, obviously. Yeah, but it's a mini moog. He thought of the whole thing. The whole thing came from Charlie in a mini moog. That's what that. He, that's that bass. Yeah. I mean, because there's a real bass too. But there's yeah. yeah. Robert. The Robert is, is playing, and then they're doubling it with right. the moog. With the moog, yeah. and that's how Charlie thought of it was with the, with the moog. That's how they came up with the groove, and it was just and like a and they approached it. You know, I love these lyrics, but they but they approach it from the groove thing, right? Because that's what I love about like funk music in general or this band too is that everything's about the groove and about the rhythm section of the band like everything comes mm-hmm. from there and every, there's other stuff in it and the lyrics are not an afterthought but it's all about the groove and that's what they thought of first yeah that's a lot of girls liked like fucking uh nirvana hey, you could dance for nirvana and the, the rhythm section you know specifically Grohl, just delivering straightforward monster grooves are you can boogie to like you right. can you could chicks like ACDC, you could boogie to that band. Oh yeah, it's fucking smart. Dave Lee Roth can give you some lessons in that. That's uh, right, fucking yeah, right. big time, big time. With We're that, a cover man, band. Sure. Chicks want to dance. <laughs> Shit, what are you trying to do here, man? Yeah. All right, let's hear right. a little more.
there's a, uh, a tribute to 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 Charlie, um, and it's uh, Stevie Wonder comes out and does this, and it's so great. It's just so great of him to self real him to sing in the Stevie Wonder voice doing that part. That groove so, is very Stevie, very mid seventies Stevie. Uh, it is. Uh, it's it's very funky in that kind of way. Um, and uh, just a, a a George a George White side note for many years. Um, I'd say most of the years I was listening to this song, I thought he was saying, burn rubber on me, Charlene. <laughs> it's Charlie, is what he's saying. But, but, which I found out when I could, you know, when I got a hold of lyrics or something. But for years, I thought it made more sense to me that it was Charlene. That's who this girl has done all this to him. It's Charlene. Fucking Charlene. She's the one that burned rubber. <laughs> uh, he's so dope, though, that he can yeah. burn rubber on her and move on to the next. Right. <laughs> I feel like he burns a lot of rubbers. <laughs> Thank you. Let's hear a little more of this. He has to identify himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. One of the things that I love about this, from a groove perspective, I've been in a room with drums and this is on and played along with it. And it was yeah. a fucking blast. I highly yeah. recommend it because you, if you kind of know how to put a groove together, you don't have to be good. No. And just you can play along with this and feel like a fucking captain of industry. Yes, yeah, well, the, the so best part is you can kind of take off on on, on that boom, 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 anytime, and it'll yeah. fit in. Like you, no, you're fine. Put it in Don't anywhere. Worry about it. Like right, yeah. you're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's impervious to not feeling groovy, no matter what you're doing. Well, really, in just in life, if you, you're just fucking, you're getting some change at, at the store, and you just go baku, 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 baku. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yes, the, the clerk will be like, "I get it, bro." Yeah, fuck yeah. Burn rubber on me, Charlie. Yeah. Shit. I think if you came across the troops at an airport instead backle, of like, backle, backle, yeah, just backle. Backle. I think they would appreciate that more than like throwing your iPod away or something. They're like, dude, this is what we fought for, dude. <laughs> daku, daku. No, you take you take your headphones, you take your headphones out, put them in the shoulder, yeah, and he goes, dude. dude, check this out. Daku, daku. He'd forget all his troubles. That's right. It makes you forget all your troubles, I'm telling you. <laughs> all right, here we go. Did you hear him right there? He, he almost did it early. <laughs> Just checking it out. He, he, he went, blap! Oh, back, back. Yep. I've never noticed that one before. Oh, good. <laughs> so did these three uh, guys, did they have a band also, or did they play everything? No, they had a band. There was a lot of guys in and out. In fact, a guy named Rudy, I forget Rudy's last name, like thought of the thought of the title of this. There's a lot of guys in and out of the band. You know, they had a band, yes. But the three of the three brothers were the main and main thing. And then Lonnie, Lonnie Simmons, of course, the producer. And they met him, which is around now. They... That's when things started to change for them a little bit. Their band situation sounds kind of like the way the Isley Brothers thing was going. Yeah. Like, I think there was like, there's like the three dudes or whatever. And then there was like the act that would go around. There were like the touring guys could also be studio guys. Yep. I was thinking more like the Bee Gees, which, you know, yeah. Barry kind of plays rhythm. Robin doesn't do anything. Then Morris is, is killing it on the bass. Yeah. And so, and then they have a band too. So I'm wondering if these guys, if one of these guys is killing the Moog or something, or one of them plays guitar, or are they just all three front men? Yeah, he played, I think it's, uh, who's on bass? I think it was Robert's on bass? Uh, Robert. Yeah, Robert's, Robert's on bass, bass, yeah. 
And then someone plays, the other guy plays the drums, and then Lonnie, uh, sorry, um, Charlie's the singer and, and does keyboards. But I don't think Charlie even plays, I never saw them live, unfortunately. I don't think Charlie even plays the keyboards live. He's just a singer. Got it. Yeah. Okay. He's busy burning rubber. He's really burning rubber. <laughs> He's entertaining people. Yeah. <laughs> He's playing them heartstrings, dog. Ask anyone. Pop, there's a man on the lawn. <laughs> His name's Charlie. Baku, Baku, Baku. <laughs> He's really funky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess so. I was pissed from first, and then I heard that fucking groove. <laughs> It'll make even Mike Douglas groove. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get my shotgun, you know, because you're on my land. But, you know. <laughs> then I heard that Baku. But I heard this Baku, Baku. I'm like, I invited him right in. I invited him right fucking in. <laughs> and I said to my daughter, don't you fucking burn rubber on Charlie, goddammit. <laughs> Just think He's about it. Don't you even. <laughs> Oh, wait, I got to know those lyrics. Oh, oh, my God, that's this is the favorite part. This is maybe the, my favorite lyric ever in the next the next verse, too. You told me to go up the block to get you a strawberry pop. When I got back to the flat, you would burn rubber at the back. <laughs> <laughs> and then listen to the rest of the story. It's even better. Let it go. So I love when he gets that, that Rick James voice going. Oh my god, so the whole thing. He's so pissed by this crescendo of the whole thing. I'm fucking pissed he is. Well, you go get a fucking strawberry pop, dude, and come yeah, back. Exactly. Fucking no, I know. Well, listen chicken to the rest, rubber. The, the rest is hard to understand. So I'll do this so that you told me to go up the block to get you a strawberry pop. When I got back to the flat, you would burn rubber at the back. I went to the closet and saw no clothes. All I saw was hangers and poles. I went to the phone and called your mother and told her that you would burn rubber on me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a fucking famous a rad picture, dude. Because I, I know, you know, an empty closet. Yes, it does yeah. have hangers and poles. <laughs> That's all I saw. I went to saw no clothes, hangers and poles. I'm just standing like a fucking asshole with a strawberry pop. So I went to the phone, called your mother, and said, guess what your bitch of a daughter did? She burned rubber on me. <laughs> He's thoughtful, though, dude. Like, he like he didn't just go out and go get, go whoring. Like, he called her no. mom. I'm going to call you mama. Exactly what you do. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to call you mama. Let you know, let you know what, she, what you did to me. Right. The description of the closet yeah. sounds like where George is now broadcasting. From. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why George connects to it so much. Exactly. Stuck in this closet, man. Hangers and poles in here, and a podcaster. So, I just love, I just love that. I love that verse so much. It's one That's of my awesome. It's ever. so great. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ever know those lyrics. I would just yeah. get wrapped up in him, Teddy, Teddy Pendergrassing all over my soul. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it because he, he swallows a lot of those lyrics there, but it's so it's so good. <laughs> Shit, it's the best. All right. By the way, he's he's known as Uncle Charlie. That's what like Snoop started calling him. And I think all the records he made a lot of records like starting in the two thousands with the help of Snoop and Justin Timberlake, and they're all called like Uncle Charlie or like first name Charlie, last name Wilson. They all like every record's called Charlie something. Oh, here's Charlie. They're all like. <laughs> all right. 
Christ. And we can stop listening after this part because I, I picked the short version. This goes on like there's ten minute versions of this fucking thing. But <laughs> oh my god, that that breakdown right there is so fucking nuts. And it's the same thing that's been happening, but like it is but slightly matter, different. Right? No. Yeah, so great. And it is god very Prince like. You're right. You're right. Uh, Shit, you're right, uh, Damon. Like some of like the, the really extended, the full versions of controversy, and you know that are long. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be curious to know if he was a fan of them because he's, you know, Prince. He was so competitive and kind of arrogant. I don't. Yeah. I doubt he would ever admit that he was influenced by the Gap Band, but I'm hearing a lot of that in here. Oh, uh, he like he never would have done dipped into uh, Michael Jackson songs when Mike was alive, but he would do it frequently after he died. Yeah. So like I think that he could put his competition away for two seconds. I think maybe the same thing with like Rick James and that, but yeah, yeah, he was pretty competitive. It would have been nice. Like you, you hope that he. You're fuck! Like, why would you live in a world where you couldn't get down with the Gap Band? Shit! Yeah, change your life. How you, how you stop yourself from getting down with the Gap Band? I know. <laughs> I dare you. So I can just let that play underneath while you we're can. talking here. You can, yeah. It's it's like it, it just keeps going like this. It's just such a jam forever. And there's so many other songs too. Like you said, yeah. you dropped the bomb on me early in the morning, which I forgot that early in the morning that uh, Robert Palmer covered mm-hmm. and was so great. He had a hit with that, like in whatever the late '80s, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was on his solo record, on Riptide, maybe or one of those, or uh-huh. you know, Party Train. Um, yeah, Drop the Bomb was what the next year. Yeah I, think so. yeah, I think Drop the Bombs the next year. So, right? different album, probably? Yeah, it is a different album, for sure, yeah. 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 Because this is almost, to me, this song is almost like a practice version for Drop the Bomb on Me. Kind of is. Yeah, that's the thing about it, yeah. Because Drop the Bomb is, is like a almost perfectly crafted pop song, but it's also funky as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost did that one, but I like this one better because Party it's Train's dro- the same. Party yeah, Train's it is. The They're same. all kind of the same track, and so is Early in the Morning. It's a little bit different, but... But yeah, those four were just such powerhouses that we listened to so much. And Drop the Bomb on Me was probably the one that we, you know, had on the boombox more than others. But uh, but Burn Rubber is always my favorite because of the strawberry pop and the hangers and pulls. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great fucking verse, dude. I really like, I love it when R&B artists, especially at that time, would allow for some, like a reflective moment, like to, to lose you yeah, know, where right. it's not just winning or fucked you so deep you fell asleep, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> like the machismo thing is rad, but like I love the I love the thing where like he paints that picture. Like it really hits when he talks about that. You know, there's an empty fucking closet. He goes, Are you serious? I'm just curious. Really, you're gonna burn rubber on really on me. On, on old Charlie? Charlie. <laughs> you can do it on Charlie. Really? Somebody check Charlie me on Wilson, this. you're gonna just go ahead and get a strawberry pop, and then I'm gonna you're gonna be gone. I'm left with hangers and poles. I mean, it's really? nice that she left the hangers. <laughs> she was in a hurry. This is for real. I mean, what? Why Charlie. you wanna hurt me, girl? Why you wanna hurt me? 
That's the official title, by the way. I forgot. It's called Burn Rubber on Parentheses. <laughs> Why You Want to Hurt Me. Why You Want to Hurt Me. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the official title. Everyone has called it Burn Rubber on Me. But uh, I just noticed that is the official title. What a great song. All right. Episode 50 Goddamn 2. The Deuce. And I would like to thank the Gitmo Bros for joining me today. It would have been very lonely without you. Sure. Good show. And we're, we're coming up on three hours, according to my GD. Yeah, that's a long one, man. I know. This is the longest ever, maybe. What are we doing? I don't know. Having fun? I kind of went right by. I don't know. Like, I'm in a closet, and I just, you know, it's great. It almost makes me want to go, dum, 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 dum. <laughs> We were about to stop, and then we just did that riff, and then we've got to come back. Yeah! You have a kit set up at your house, Damon? Just sit down and just do it. Yeah, I think I have to. Let's <laughs> do it. You just need a bass and a snare, really. So, <laughs> oh, good. Honey, I have to talk to you. My my mom's pretty sick. Backle, 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 backle. Does Not this out. make you feel better? All right, so Gitmo Bros signing off. We are ear and loathing. We are the number one rockers forever. I wish people would stop denying that when it's been true for 52 fucking episodes. A year's worth. How many times do I have to say it? And we put another exclamation point on it tonight. Right. <laughs> We've now got an episode a week that you could listen to, 52 for a year. I know. New Come programming. on. Yeah. Binge it. <laughs> we give, give, give. Yeah. We never take. We keep churning out the comedy. And we talk about keisters, but we never talk about any, like, the president shitting his pants. We don't do that. We don't do that. All right. I guess we're going to wrap it up here. Episode 52. We'll see everybody on the next one, which, according to the government's math that they want you to believe, it would be episode 53. And I'm going to say goodbye. Bye. Blatten, blatten, blatten. Ear and loading. Six oh six oh eight four two. Mom, take it easy. Lower it. I'm, I'm not gonna lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. Tune in next time for more ear and loathing. End transmission. Goodbye. <laughs>